Hello, Asymmetry. What's going on, everybody? Had a really cool crew in the studio this evening, our Juniper 3 class. I've spent a lot of time with these students. They're all very, very talented bonsai practitioners in their own right. And we decided to sit down with Kokfu Exhibition Book number 64 and really just kind of dive into some of the designs some of the different pieces, the stories behind the trees. I pulled out some historical books that show the initial stylings of a lot of the trees that were then entered into the Kokfu exhibition number 64. It's kind of a thorough wholesale critique, exploration, analysis of what's good, what potentially led to the decisions that were made in the design, the presentation of the trees, who presented them. It's just a sort of open book discussion of Kokfu ex exhibition number 64. Anyways, thanks a bunch to the Juniper 3 class. You guys rocked. I hope you guys enjoy sitting back and listening. And if you have Kokfu exhibition 64, the book, you'll want to crack it open because there are a lot of great trees in there and there's a lot of interesting discussion to be had. Enjoy. Well, I want to go back to what Danny was talking about. So, so you, you've witnessed a prison break. Um, I didn't witness it. Were you part of it? I guess if you witnessed it, it wouldn't have well, happened. I was part of the escape detail, searching for the prisoner. Where was this at? Lancaster. Where's Lancaster at? California. In is this the is high this, desert? This is in the desert. Mm. Yeah. Northern and, Los Angeles. And a lifer escaped from that prison. Two lifers escaped that together. Time? No. Okay. Separate times. Huh. Uh, the first one actually before they had an electrified fence. Went over the 14-foot wall, I believe it is, around the facilities. The With the force. razor wire? Over the razor wire, threw it, and it cut him. Um, but he he, said, I don't he went over a wall inside the inside perimeter, and then two uh, fences, 25-foot fences with Constantina wire on them, and actually quoted the officer's conversation on the phone in the tower of which he went out right next to. No. Yeah, quoted the whole conversation. So the officer was just like not even... He was talking on the phone. He wasn't looking for guys going over the fence. Wow. So that was before they had the electric fence, and we caught him uh, about six hours later. Uh, whoever was supposed to pick him up, they found him at Toys R Us. Uh, at at the payphone, <laughs> yeah, looking for his ride, and uh, Dang, that's that's Haldy man, and he was a life prisoner for for murder. Wow, yeah. Uh, how bad did the wire cut him? Pretty bad. He had to have a lot of sutures in his back, in his in, back, his back and his chest. It got him. It's it's it literally it, it is razor wire. But how do you get even? How do you even get over it? That's what I don't understand. He did it ever so cautiously ever so carefully. I mean, he crawled through it and it cut him as he fell through it. Jesus. And he, you know, he uh, went up the, uh, was he still breathing in your mouth? You got to uh, talk into the mic, John. Come on, John. Yeah, he was, he was, he was, he was, he was injured. He went to the hospital and then, uh, back to prison. <clears throat> Another one, this one's very interesting. Um, this was after we had electrified fence. Uh huh. So, um, they hadn't put, padlocks on the trash cans which is mandatory to put padlocks at the time they cost ten thousand dollars and somebody had the bright idea that they weren't going to get them right away we're okay because we had electric fence 
So um, the prison was relatively new, and uh, the first escape could be forgiven, but this one, the second one, no, the warden lost his job on this one. So the guy got on the back dock of the kitchen um, where they make the food, um, got in the trash can, and when the trash truck came, officers obviously they prod the, the trash cans with a rod, but, you know, he got prodded. He just didn't make a lot of noise. <laughs> And he Is got that a sharp prod. It's it's a metal rod. It's a pretty big metal rod that goes down in because basically the trash on the back dock of a kitchen is you know food waste. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's horrible, stinky food waste. Yeah, and he was in it. Underneath Is it a it. dumpster or a can? A big full size dumpster. A dumpster. Okay. Sure. And they dumped it, and he got crushed at least five times inside the truck. Because every time they picked up a can, they crush what they just put in it, you know, so they can compact it more and, and, and get what they need and then go on to the dump. Well, they searched, you know, the back of the truck. They prodded it again at, at the Sally Port with him in it after he'd been crushed five times. He said he thought his – well, I interviewed him at the hospital. He couldn't see. He had a crushed spleen. Um, his head was crushed. Um, it wasn't literally crushed, but I mean, his entire body was blood red. It had been crushed so many times. And Wait, he, he couldn't see. He lost his vision. It, his eyes were completely bloodshot red. Everything. It's like wow. all the blood rushed to the surface of the skin. So, you know, a white guy, and uh, yeah, he got away. Um, the only way he got caught was when they went to the dump. Um, they're they're. Uh, contracted to crush the waste with a tractor with spiked wheels when they dump the trash. So as soon as they dump the trash, here comes a tractor to roll over it, and boop, he pops up because the tractor ran over him, his leg. Yeah, big, huge tractor with metal wheels. Oh, my This guy's in the trash. I'm not going to do this again. No, no. So... (laughs) One thing you learn about prisoners, they're like cockroaches. It's it's pretty hard to kill them. Wow. So, yeah, he popped up, and the, the trash truck driver saw him, and he, he dialed 911, and, you know, of the embarrassment of the prison, the sheriffs brought him back, brought him to the hospital, actually, and that's where I met him. And wow. He, did, he didn't know that I was an officer from the prison. I worked the investigative services, and um, I interviewed him, and... What happened? You know, he told me the whole story. Everything had happened. So, bad day for the warden. He got fired. Wow. How shortly after did he get fired? It was less than a week. Oof. Yeah. Second life prisoner escape. And there's been others. Um, usually minimum custody. You know, they just go over one fence and walk away. No Constantino wire, just some barbed wire. Why is it called Constantino wire? It's razor wire. I don't know, maybe Constantina from, you know, World War II. I don't know. But uh, why would somebody that's serving a very short, minimal sentence try to escape? Risk it. Yeah, yeah. And, and just, like, have far more problems? Well, okay, so that's a minimum of probably three years added to their sentence. Right. So, um, you name it, girlfriend, uh, you know, baby mama. There was problems. She didn't send the money, you know, you name it. We've heard it all. Wow. You know, mom died and they wouldn't let him go to the funeral, took off. 
Huh. Uh, you know, different things. Life life situations usually. Are you so uh, relieved to be retired now? I am. I, you know, I, I know what it's like to be a normal person now. <laughs> yeah. You look different. I feel different. I feel great. I'm in the best shape of my life right now. Wow. Very cool. Better, th- better than when I started. I was, uh, when I first started, I was 185 pounds shredded to the bone. And, you know, 30 years inside, it can wear on you. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I had some health issues. I retired uh, prior to retirement. I had high blood pressure, hypertension, you name it. So yeah, and did you, you started Bonsai to help. I with did. That? I did. So that's that's a whole nother story. That's how I got <laughs> into Bonsai. You know that, right? Yeah. So it was uh, 1996. Uh, Fuji Bonsai Nursery. You know the Karate Kid, all that stuff. They they did the trees for the movie. This is Roy Nagatoshi. Yeah, him mm-hmm. and, and and his dad and his father. Yeah, yeah. Um, was his father around when you went there the first time? The first class, I was taught by his dad. Oh, cool. And his brother. Um, I don't. I can't remember. Uh, Roy's Roy Nagatoshi is, was the instructor, but mm-hmm. I don't remember his dad's name um, or his brother. Huh. But it was his dad and his brother first. It wasn't Roy. Roy came later, mm. so um, I'd go every Saturday, and that's when prison was its violent, most violent. Mm-hmm. It was I would, you know, classes were from eight to noon. I'd stay eight to three. Yeah, hmm. every every Saturday for years. You know, well, I've been doing it since 1996. But that's oh wow. Yeah, got me started. I went to that's when I went to uh, Japan. I went to Japan with Roy Camara's uh-huh. Garden. Yeah, got to meet Camaria. It was in 2000. Uh-huh. So I think that was before you started there. That was Yeah, that'd be four years before I was there. I think uh, one of the apprentices there was his, uh, was Tiger. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, seen just some of the most famous trees. Yeah, sure. I'm sure you worked on all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Probably most of them, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably did. But yeah, Japan was amazing. You know, if, if you haven't, if any of you haven't been, you need to go. Well, what a segue, Danny. Yeah. Into and Kip, I'm gonna hand this over to you because this is your idea. Yeah. That we're all that, that could completely flop. <laughs> could it could? I don't know. How did you make it through all five sessions of the bonsai art of uh, Kimura? Uh, I don't have the book actually. Uh, so I had the second book, uh, not the first one. So watch listening to him, I did, but I wanted to know. Uh, I wanted to have the book and finding it, oh, I found it on Amazon and it's in my wish list. Mm. So um, if anybody wants to buy me a gift here, let me know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, it had sparked the idea. I've always wanted when we discuss design of uh, harmonious intention and dynamic mm-hmm. that if there was some app that could just show a picture and be like, pick which one it is and just hit the button. You're like, eh, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. This is what it is. You're like, mm-hmm. why is that? And I didn't under, you know, like when we first class, we were going to Juniper one, we were having trouble identifying it. Yeah. Uh, like which way is the apex going? We're like three of us said left, two people said right. And Ryan's like, neither it's going straight up, you know, like whatever it is, <laughs> mm-hmm. we were all wrong. Uh, but to get that idea and then last class of having just picking out 
our favorite juniper and why is that? What's the composition? What's the pot? And I can't even understand the amount of stories you might have about those trees. So mm -hmm. it was like, can we do the Kimura thing? And I've wanted to do it with a cocoa food book and just to pick one, go through the years, through the, the, the pictures and talk about the design. Because I've even seen where the top half of a tree and the bottom half of the tree look like they're designed by two different people. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I don't, yeah, I don't get it. Like one's really detailed at the bottom, the other one's just a bush on top of that juniper. Let's do it, man. Yeah. Let's let's dig in. Kokufu exhibition number sixty-four. Do you know the year? Um I don't. I wish I did. <laughs> I don't know. You probably find it on the internet. Probably. Maybe. To the I don't know. I don't know the year. I don't know the year. That's the that's that's a tough one. There, there, I would think there would be a page in here that would say it, like when it was. Troy's on it. Troy's getting. Troy's googling it. Is Danny on it too. I seen you picking up your phone. Are you oh, on see, it too? See who. See oh, who. We both on it. See when sixty four is. See Actually, who finds I had it. those. I had those in eBay. <laughs> I did the ones that I ordered. I think I still have them right. Do you now. want to start at the beginning? It, it actually tells the years. Um. We can start at the beginning. I mean, <clears throat> so basically, your job is to pass the book around to everybody so they all get a taste of it. <laughs> is this show and tell? No way Danny and John are going to be able to see that. Mike has the book right now. I remember, remember like fourth grade when Lime, we did show and tell. Lime and I, I'm going right to belly up to the table here so Lime and I can share this book. Oh, we're so getting cuddly. the 60th book was 1986. I'll move that for you. It was 90. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think yeah, I'm looking so at this is conifer. 1990 you're looking at, and it says hibiscus. Is this... Hmm? Is, am I crazy, or is... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good pickup. Good pickup. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. It, it, it's definitely a juniper that says hibiscus. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder you're so confused, Kip. 2010. What? 84. No, 64. 64. No, so 64. Oh, so yeah. that's uh, yeah. 64 then is 86, 20 years prior. 86 was just, the... You just changed 84 to 60. Number 60. Troy, Troy didn't know there was math going to be involved. But it's yeah. not number 60. It's oh, number 1990. Six, number 60, it's number 64. Is in, in 1990. It's 1990. 1990. Yeah. 1990. Okay. 64 yeah. is 90. Yeah. So, 231 pages. I mean, I, I guess to... I guess to... I'll get it. I got it. Technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. <laughs> there you go. Uh -oh. Man down. Grab me a paper oh. towel real quick. Just so I can... uh, paper towel, because those don't soak up shit. Because is that solid, that's why. We had a party fall brought to you by Lime. Party fall brought to you by Lime. Next up... Girl's Choice, <laughs> followed by All Skate. <laughs> and now, Shoot the Duck. You know how to shoot the duck? I did when I was a kid. Shoot the duck. And then I learned how to do it on Nintendo I'm Duck on, Hunt. I'm on right there. Okay. Yeah. That's what good. I thought you were talking about initially. That's what you thought I was talking about initially, Sh shooting the like, duck, like duck, duck hunt. hunt. That's my point of reference. <laughs> Just crank on that line. Crank it. 
Crank it. Get it tight. All right. <laughs> and now we're back. So, I mean, I think like a lot of people have a lot of questions about several of the trees that are in like the first stretch of the Kofu album. And when you look at this, I mean, I... I <laughs> <laughs> the uh, primary branch well i mean i just what, what feel you like the at? fact that it's a juniper titled the hibiscus is hilarious <laughs> like granted mistakes happen okay first page and here's the thing about uh, a majority of the trees that are in the first few pages of any kokfu book these are the patrons that sponsor and pay for this show interesting so a lot of times when you're looking at the first few pages you're looking at trees that can occasionally not look as though they belong, maybe quality-wise, not necessarily mm. look like they belong. Like if you look at page 13 and you see the the Japanese maple, yeah. it's like, wow, for a, a, a kokufu tree, that's a, that's a stretch, right? Yeah, that looks but, like a tree in my backyard. Yeah, because then you go to page 19 <laughs> and you see, the, you see this monster of a juniper winning the kokufu prize and then you kind of go back to page 13 and you're like well i mean that's like not even the same mm. that's not even i mean we're not even talking the same thing anymore yeah right not even the same and, ballpark but there have to be patrons that afford this exhibition it's at the national museum in ueno park tokyo the national art museum it's not an inexpensive thing to be able to execute a Kokufu exhibition. So that's typically these first pages hmm. always, I think, throw people off. Now, the formality of thanking the people that patron that were patrons of the show, it makes sense to have their trees front yeah. and center, right? But they're not necessarily the best trees to discuss in terms of hmm. quality and design all the time. Now, some, some of the patrons do have prominent collections, right? So we're going to skip the hibiscus. Unfortunately, hibiscus. I thought it was just the, hib the, the stand was made of hibiscus. The hibiscus I juniperus. Hibiscus And I actually would would like to skip um, to page fourteen. Okay, page fourteen, and and everybody take a look at this because I feel like this is a very common question that people have about bone size. So we're looking at a Zelkova serrata, mm -hmm. right? Super duper scrumptious broom style mm -hmm. yeah zelkova serrata now when people look at zelkova and they look at the broom style you got it when people look at the broom style i think people misinterpret the fact that broom style is a symmetrical form and i think i think that does a little bit of an injustice now it is in in terms of interpreting the 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 form of the broom style in its most generic base, it's symmetrical, kind of, right? Right. But even inside of this tree, there is a certain degree of asymmetry that exists in that crown. Very minimal amount of asymmetry. But the apex, the strongest point of the leader moves slightly off to the left center of crown. The left side of the tree feels like it has a greater density and abundance of branches. Yeah, thicker on the left, for right? sure. I mean, it, it, it's it's no matter what you do to try and create symmetry, there's always going to be asymmetrical forms. But this is a, a, a absolutely stellar broom style Zelkova, and I would say this is a broom style Zelkova that has not been chopped and grafted. 
Because one of the techniques to creating a broom style is to grow a Zelkova up into this big, thick trunk to chop the top off into cleft graft, which basically means to graft between the cambium and the xylem with a bunch of wedge-shaped, very small scions, very thin scions. Mm -hmm. Wrap it up, goo it on top, so you compress that vascular tissue around the sides to hold all those clefts. You goo it on top, and then you get 10 or 12 branches growing out of that singular chop site, flat chop maybe even a diagonal chop if you want to add a little bit of something and you get all of those growing out you get this big swelling where all of that scarring occurs but that's a very common way to to produce um sort of a more rapid large-scale generic broom you can see that this has a central leader you can see that it has a diversity of thicknesses in the branch on the right and left slightly offset not much mm -hmm. but giving that traditional buttress in, even in the branching and shoulders of the broom. That's a really beautiful execution of a broom-shaped form. And this is to create a good broom <clears throat> over the course of time when they're very young in the fall and winter season. After the leaves drop, they pull all the branches up. They hold them like this over the course of the winter, kind of tied up in a, in a bundle. And then they let them out in the spring. And it, and it starts to bring all those branches and that form up at the shoulders mm. and really pull that shape up. So when this is just a pencil-sized trunk, they're doing this every annually and then really very dedicated to the aspect of partial defoliation and consistent ramification building, transition of taper from base to tip. That's a spectacular tree to look at. <clears throat> so what would you do to mirai this? <clears throat> hmm. Well, I th that's, a, that's an interesting question that you ask because I don't think there is mirai adding mm -hmm. a Mirai to a Japanese tree. You know, like, I, I mean, this is a Zelkova Serrata created in a very beautiful mm -hmm. broom-shaped form as it occurs naturally and in the Japanese model of bonsai. I'm not going to be able to improve this. Now, if, mm. I, if, if I created a broom-shaped form, what would I want to see? I would want to see more asymmetry in terms of a distance on one side or the other and to try and capitalize. If you look at the left side of the structure of this, mm -hmm. are you guys looking at the left side of that structure, John? Yep. Notice how there's more thicker branches on the left side of that structure. Certainly. And the, the, lower, lower, the mm -hmm. lower left branches are more dominant. Mm -hmm. I would try to key off of that. Would you open it up? I don't, I'm, I don't know. It's a pretty beautiful, highly executed, very mm. technical... Um, highly I think refined. so. If Howard highly refined, highly refined. I mean, this is like this is decades of really, really intense. So if Howard came here with his little, um, what's this again? Broom. Zelkova. Zelkova. <laughs> this is how many beers down. So, anyway. <laughs> so if Howard came here with his little Zelkova and said, "Ryan, I'm done. We need to we need to go to another another approach on this." Mm. You know, I need, I need another change of clothes. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I just don't, I don't function that way. Mm. I don't think it works that way. I think like when you, when you are working with a species that has an established, when you're working with a species that has an established approach and has been grown to conform to that approach, 
I think it's very difficult to try and make it something that it's not, mm. you know? Yeah. But I also see inside of that, when you have a piece of raw material or something that's been grown in a unique way, to try it, to pull it back into a box of an approach that it wasn't grown or does not naturally adhere to is to strip the tree of its soul. So to move it out of that box, if it was grown to be in that box, is to strip it of its soul. Like its purpose, its destiny as a bonsai, you're imposing your will on that tree's purpose in life, mm. right? And the same when you take a really raw, rugged, wild tree and you domesticate it and cut off all of its asymmetry and you pull everything back into a conformity, you just defeated its purpose in life, right? Mm. So I would probably not take on that scope of work, mm -hmm. right? It, does, it wouldn't appeal to me. Mm -hmm. Like I love making the traditional form of bonsai. It's very challenging. It's very beautiful. It's very asymmetrically amazing uh, to a you know smaller degree of asymmetry than I see our natural wild trees generating in their aesthetics as a representation of age. And that's where I see opportunity to expand, but it doesn't mean I don't appreciate mm. this form. I like the form. Mm-hmm. But I think I, I, I don't see, you know, I, I you, you just see one definition. Right. 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 But mm -hmm. it would be nice if, if you had the... the yeah. yeah. Having more billows. Yeah. Right? Billows. Exactly. And I mean, I think this really comes down to when you talk about like, have you ever seen, have you guys, has any of you ever seen a broom shaped tree? Have you seen that? What's, what's yeah. the trees up by the greenhouse? I know I know they're not broom shaped, but like the Japanese maples up there? No, the the on on the back side of the Japanese maples. What are those? The they're like this. Oh, the hornbeam? Yeah. That that's a beautiful shape. Uh -huh, the flame shape? Yeah, yeah. 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 Extremely young representation of it, mm. right? Extremely young representation of it, but beautiful, no mm -hmm. doubt, right? And the linden behind it, very So very there is there is a shape of of Sure. I I mean I think it's like the most idolized juvenile form of, and, and like yeah. photosynthetically efficient, very well cultivated, high resource availability. If that tree is going to grow its very best, it's going to look like that. When nature comes and craps on it, <laughs> and all of a sudden everything that tree didn't plan for happens, I think that's when we get asymmetry. This broom style Zelkova, in my mind, is showing that Id idyllic form in the best case scenario. So it'll right? always be youthful. I think it's very youthful, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you see some of the ramifications and stuff, but you Untarnished. know you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. Uh, uh, an oak, you know, go go to California and see all the coastal oaks and you've got hollows and branches ripped off and things dropping to the ground. Well, a really young oak is a pretty pristine broom-shaped form. Hmm. that just gets absolutely mangled and manipulated over the course of time. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, Mike, you yeah. live in and see that it. environment a lot. And Danny, oh, yeah. you're right on the central coast. I mean, it, definitely. <clears throat> so, so, so over there in the Oaks, sure. A little one acre or three acres, little it, patch of Oaks. They're all laying on the ground. Yeah. It's amazing. It's right? amazing. I almost feel like the broom shape is the most <clears throat> domesticated form that's created in bonsai. Like, it'd be far easier to see this form walking down the street or walking through a park. I agree, yeah. Mm. Well, That's it, why it, I like it so much. It's kind of cool that way, yeah, right? Yeah, I really like the broom form. Yeah. But then I would say, like, wouldn't it be amazing to see, like, a like a broken sidewalk concrete container for that? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, you know yeah. that would be great. <laughs> well, you even mentioned it, uh -oh. like, the <laughs> idyllic uh, side of it. Like, 
popped in my head like what are the trees if you could go to the garden of eden what do the trees look like there yeah nothing not like things that have not been tampered by wind or mm-hmm. rain or snowfall or any stuff like this is exactly how it is ta- untampered i don't know that fruit must have looked delicious though right well ryan you yeah. were on the central coast you ever go to salmon creek falls yeah did you ever go way back hike back there or just go to the falls uh, we took a pretty extensive hike when we went so there. So about midway, there's a campground, and there's an oak tree that has this style right in the middle of the campground. Uh-huh. It's amazing, just like you said. Huh. It's never been pruned, it's never been touched, and it's simply amazing. But if it's in that campground, it's old. It's very old. Yeah. Interesting. Very. And, and flawless, scarless. Flawless, well, scars, but yeah, but yeah, it's it's essentially flawless. Wow, it it's like amazing. A, I, hmm. I mean, that just came right to my mind when you said that. Oh, interesting. And the look on your face though, right now, is just like bliss. Yeah, happiness. Those trees. Ha- happiness. Yeah. Ha- I mean, the Red Sox did. Did the Red Sox win? We did win. The Red okay. Sox did win. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, so I don't know. It's, it's tainted. It's all. It's they beat all, the Yankees the too. I mean, yeah. <laughs> was it in an area where maybe it was like protected from the elements? Well, yeah, that's what Sam, I'm the kind of Salmon Creek Falls. It lies in a valley. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. It, it, between it, the coastal mountain range and the coast, it's pretty majestic. So mm. me it's and my wife awesome. hiked back there. About it was a that that. So you come to first campgrounds, probably about two miles in. That's probably about three and a half miles in. We hiked seven miles that day. Mm. So it's about three and a half miles in, and it's just it's massive. It, it was stunning. I was a freshman in college <clears> when I did it, so right. I don't have the clearest recollection of well you remember you remember all the ferns along the the trails and yeah Yeah. i remember how lush it was and just thinking wow this looks a lot different than colorado yeah (laughs) and then and then i was like after spending time in california i was like boy that is a really unique place because the rest of california is pretty much dry and dead for most of the year yeah it is (laughs) yeah a little crispy it's crispy and it's sharp and it's rugged and this place is like a pillow in the middle of that <laughs> really devastating environment you forgot tick infested too tick infested poison oak <laughs> everywhere littered ah uh, yeah and taxis all right all right, all right kip <laughs> steer us steer let's the go, ship captain what, uh, books over there danny's gonna let's go turn the page what do we what, what do you like next Dude, let's go to number 18 18 or page, page eight, eight, page eighteen. Page eighteen. Mm. What do you got there, Danny? An important bonsai masterpiece. <laughs> an important. <laughs> We've got an important bonsai masterpiece. Is that Ellie Agnes? I'm just saying, is it, you is have it to look properly? at the book to get it that is. joke, guys. And it's beautiful. That is old. That's an old Ellie Agnes. Ellie Big Agnes. Trunk. Ellie Agnes Pungens. <laughs> So this is the same. This is the same species of Eliagnus that we have out there. The pungens. Mm-hmm, this is the pungens. Eliagnus yep. pungens. Yep. I love that tree. <clears throat> I love that tree too. That silvery little, leathery. Leaf. So yeah. So I think I think it's. What are you doing, Kip? Just thinking. Oh okay. Deeply. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know when people drift off into thought and they are staring up, they're having a very profound thought. When they're staring down, they're having a very, um, like, bad memory dealing or coping. Hmm. I thought and you were was... staring up at a high angle. 
Mm. I'm I'm very Ooh. curious what was going through your head just now. <laughs> it must be profound. No, it, it actually wasn't uh, at all. I was first curious that. on the uh, thickness of the pot, the deep, the depth of it. Yeah. For this tree. Yeah, pretty I intense, feel, huh? I felt mm-hmm. it take took away from the tree. Like I love the tree. I felt the depth to this pot uh, is a nice. It's nice eye level, but the thickness. I think. I think it's a beautiful pot too. Thought yeah. it was a little <laughs> juicy deep for this. I mean, display. I think. I think it's uncharacteristically massive. Yeah, for the tree. What do you think, John? I agree. Yep. It's pretty, yeah. and, and particularly for the kukfu, typically you're trying to magnify the scale of the tree by putting it in yeah. an extremely small pot. I think the container is interesting. Mm-hmm. How many kokfu Japanese containers do you see that have this kind of color, texture, gradation to and, it, yeah. and, and pattern variation in a glazed form? This well, is this is not common. Obviously, antique. I I mean, I think this only. Assuming I, it would be hard to say that this <clears throat> happened through intention. This seems like a random act of a wood-fired action. From potentially from my perspective, and and the antique. When you think about the antique Chinese containers, most of those, if not all of them, were wood fired, and I, I do believe all of them were wood fired, right? And so when you start to talk about that, that that wood fired nature, obviously highly controlled with the mastery of skill, but you still get a lot of variation in the the color and the flashing, and obviously, mm-hmm. and they, they're not striving for the same kind of effect that the wood fire that Jonathan Cross is pursuing is, is trying to accomplish or Jan Rentenar is trying to accomplish, but the wood fire has a character and a life all its own. And it's more like, I think Tom Benda's wood fired containers are closer to the antique Chinese aesthetic of the wood mm-hmm. fire, right? Where there's, you see some of it, but it's not so overt. So this that's interesting to me because you don't really see that. I think it is very deep. But the other thing that I key into on this is the fact that the Eliagnus was defoliated. In choosing to show a broadleaf evergreen in leaf or out of leaf, what a choice to Showing show it defoliated. I mean, you see the fruits. <clears throat> Have you ever seen anybody show an evergreen oak totally defoliated? No. no, and that would be interesting, like, show off the acorns, the way they're doing the fruit on that. Sure. Bizarre, Ooh, why not? What cool. a great choice. Why not, right? If you've got, a, if you got them. Right. <laughs> if, you I mean, got if you got them, flaunt them. Show your acorns. If you got them, flaunt them. But I mean, like, here's the other thing about it is you can dependably count on Ellie Agnes pushing another flush of growth. Well, this is in January. This is February. February. But they would have shot the picture. This Jazz, you, you make a okay, strong point, so, January. And so they, they chose the, the mm. color of the pot because green on green would have been just too... It would have been pretty blah. Yeah, so uh, what was the thought there? Yeah, I wonder if it is to contrast with the color of the berries. That's a very mm. strong That's a very strong observation because the green with the dark, really dark, almost blackish color mm. of the trunk, like, and, and it's a very strong tree, Right, it's a, it's got a powerful base. It has a lot of movement. It's very girthy for an Eliagnus. A little bit of the darker green, some tones of m- sort of the medium range of green balances with the shape of the tree. Well, I find it interesting how how the foliage comes so close to the pot itself. 
It you does. don't see the gaps, you know? Yeah, there's no gap on that right-hand side. It's just the pot, and then the, then the tree comes up to it. There could be roots growing into that pot, for but all we know. would this have been a slip situation where they would have just slipped it into this pot for the show, and then... I don't know. I mean, it's such a big, it's such a big, it's such a big container that I don't know if they slipped it in here or if this is just its standard container because it is a Kicho bonsai. So, whenever we look at Koku albums and you see important bonsai masterpiece, the way these are identified in Japan is Kicho, Kicho bonsai, and they all have a little tag that says Kicho bonsai on it. And there was a period in time where. As a Kicho bonsai, it's very difficult for a professional to take a Kicho bonsai and restyle it because you're going to have, <coughs> there's a lot of pressure to maintain a national treasure tree, right? Mm. And 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 I don't think there are a lot of people that take the artistic liberty to do that. I don't know if there's any like rule against it, but I think there's an unspoken limitation to mm-hmm. that. And, yeah. I, and Mr. Kimura used to talk about that a lot. Like there aren't a lot of people that are trusted to do this work. And I think it comes down to more like if you're a professional and you restyle a Kicho bonsai tree and it's no longer considered a Kicho bonsai, like how does that reflect on you (laughs) and your ability to make a living, right? Has that ever happened, do you know? Yeah. There there are Kicho bonsai that are no longer considered Kicho bonsai for sure. With with people's reputations ruined? I think that they're probably in this in that small community and word of mouth. I think that there probably are repercussions for poor work on trees that have, and and I think it probably is more a discussion from the clients because these Kicho bonsai are owned by clients mm. for the most part. So they take it to a professional. Some mm. shoddy work gets done, and then they're like, "That guy really sucks," and I think everybody hears it. But mm. I, I don't honestly know how that totally worked out. And I remember when I was in Japan apprenticing, there was a big push to, they, they sort of had <clears throat> a number of Kicho bonsai had perished. A number of Kicho bonsai were no, no longer worthy of being uh, considered Kicho bonsai or national treasure trees. And so they had kind of this big meeting of the professionals organization. And there was a big, a big kind of rush of people submitting trees to become Kicho bonsai because it was a little bit was kind of like an open ended deal at that point they needed some they had lost a lot and the real incentive to it being a kicho bonsai is it's automatically it's automatically in the kokfu no questions asked yeah Hmm. automatically automatic exception into the kokfu so all of a sudden if you're a professional or you're a broker and you own a tree and they're opening the door for it to become a Kicho bonsai, ooh, ooh, ooh. and all of a sudden yeah. you get this tree labeled as a Kicho bonsai, then you can sell it to your client almost immediately and say, this is your ticket into the Kokufu. And the draw to a client buying a tree in Japan is having a tree in the Kokufu exhibition. Hmm. All of a sudden you just made you just made it super easy to sell that tree. Yeah. Right? Kind of funky, kind of funky stuff right Fascinating. there. Fascinating. Yeah. And is that designation made at Kokofu or made by the same people? So I don't know when it was historically made up to the point where sort of that reconvening of the Nippon Bonsai Association and reconsideration of the quality and caliber of tree that's quantified as a Kicho Bonsai occurred. 
but I know that there is a Kicho Bonsai 10, which is an exhibition of national treasure trees. And it was surrounding that exhibition that this discussion and sort of reorganizing the Kicho Bonsai list occurred and new trees were submitted and potentially accepted. And so that was the only time that I ever experienced that. It was the only time that I ever experienced the Kicho Bonsai 10 as an exhibition, but I think it was probably, whether it continues to this day or it's every so often when they need to up the number of Kicho Bonsai or readdress that, you do have to at some point have a metric for quality with some sort of, with a living medium like Bonsai. Not all of them are going to maintain the quality that allows them to be a national treasure, right? Mm. So it makes sense. But if you look at page 19, I mean, I think this is a great Ellie Agnes, lots of interesting discussion about it. If you look at page 19, uh, very, very prominent, very famous tree here hmm. in this cascading juniper. Kicho Bonsai, also Kuk Fusho. Kuk Fusho winning juniper here. I'm impressed with the thickness at the bottom of that, that bottom branch. Do you have a beer opener? <laughs> Do you have a key? Winning. <laughs> he literally has a key. <laughs> Unlock the bottle. Oh, oh, it actually is a beer opener. It's a key <laughs> that is like a beer a opener. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I thought it was a key. I see, how you, I see how you did that just Back now. Up. That was Jedi. That was Jedi. <laughs> you want to pass that over to... Uh, <clears throat> To Kip and them. So in Kip, the reason we didn't talk about on the Ellie Agnes design is because it's basically a symmetrical design. Yeah. The cascade there, yep. What do you think about that cascade, Danny? It's amazing. I really like what they did with the, with the bottom portion of the tree, spanning it out, bringing it. You like that? I do. It's, it's unusual. Mm-hmm. What do you think, John? Um, it's kind of monolithic. I don't know this is my favorite. Mm. Mike, how you feel about that? Well, obviously it's an incredible tree, but I kind of want to see more of that twisting trunk action in there. Yeah, right? I want to see it. The lighting I, I, on the I trunk get, is great. I get Danny's point. Like th th this is really the this is really the duality of, of Japanese bonsai, I think. The foliar masses are beautiful and lush and pillowy, and I love them. And I want to see that tree, and I want to see what made that rugged form re reflected in the foliar masses that exist. Now, here's the thing about this. Is this is Mr. Kramer's work. I mean, <laughs> naturally. It is. Uh, I mean, this is one of, you know, I don't know, 50, 60 Kokfu winning trees that he's done in his career somewhere close to that number. Uh, and it, this is a tree that hung on his wall. He's got all the Kokufu winning trees in his pictures of in his client's room. Yeah, he's got them all lined up there. And this is always one that I kind of looked at. I, I've never seen this tree in person. Hmm. Never seen it in person. I always wanted to because I always wondered what is behind all of that foliage. What's in there? I never thought I'd ever see an inverse taper on foliage. Well, that's <laughs> right, and, yeah. that, and that's part of it. It looks like cotton candy with a lot of cotton candy at the bottom of it for me. Yeah. And 
to have that, I, and I think Cascade, and I think of it as the sparsest down at the bottom. Like I'm barely, I'm just gotten there. Like at the top is strong, and here mm. I'm getting it down there. And I'm wondering to get that much foliage throughout the tree. Is there a reason he has that at the bottom that much? Because then it continue to live throughout the tree. Does he grow? Like, what's the? Is there a concept there that he can make the tree that full by keeping it that much foliage at the bottom? Are, are we seeing an apex on the very bottom? Is that kind of a? I, kind um, of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing mean, a little I, bit of. I mean, I think you've got a lot of. I think you've got a lot of billow and a lot of contour, and I'm sure, outside of the two dimensional model, it would look. A lot different the scale mm -hmm. would change if you had mm -hmm. a concept of depth because mm -hmm. when you take that perspective of how big this tree is out of it and you put it in 2d it's it magnifies the scale of the foyer mass considerably i think mm. my biggest question with this tree is what happens if the branch on the upper right is not there because that really holds the tree mm -hmm. on the upper right. You can't see the trunk. You can't see that movement. But it's also it's like the pulling. Weight. It's like pulling back the commitment to the cascade, and you don't see a cascading tree with this like supporting branch counterbalancing <clears throat> the cascade. Like cascading trees that are truly cascading to this degree, they just kind of dump over the edge of the mountain, and it's like. I don't know. This is right. what happened, and this is where I'm at, and I hope that I don't die or go away, right? It's a good counterbalance, for sure. It's a good counterbalance from the from the attempt to use foliage as the balancing component, right? <clears throat> I don't necessarily know that it's the most accurate, which I don't think that this is an attempt to be an accurate reflection of a juniper. I have no illusions that that, that is what this is attempting to be. I, I think it is a cultural, I think it's a culturally expected move to achieve a level of balance in the design of this that is expected in that approach to bonsai. I think, it's, I think now it's almost... You, I don't even think it's thought about that that branch is there or not. It's just expected to be there in Japanese bones. So there's not a notion to cut that off or gin it. Hmm. What were you going to say, John? Have you ever seen an old picture of this tree? Yeah. Is, and did the foliage have that general morphology 50 N years ago? No. Or? no, no. No, and I think, this is, I think this is interesting when you start looking. So first of all... <clears throat> The Kokofu exhibitions in the 60s and 70s, I think, is where the Kokofu exhibition pinnacled. I've told you guys that a mm -hmm. lot. And once you get into the 80s, I think you see more complacency. We're talking the numbers of the books. The numbers of the book, num the not numbers the of the exhibitions, right? <laughs> right? Not the years. I think you see a lot more complacency and a lot less tree creators making the trees and doing the work on the trees. And I think when you talk about the market viability of a tree, like this Shimpaku juniper on page 19, this kind of full foliar mass, it's far more sellable. People look at it and they're willing to pay for it in that market. Yeah, but, and I think also, I, I don't know when, 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 when that is the aesthetic that has been created over so such a long course of time and you're in a culture that accepts that tradition and accepts that replication of that tradition and exists inside of that reverence for that tradition, which I, I totally respect that. We don't have that in the United States. That's a, that's a blessing and a curse. There are positives and negatives to that. 
the presence of the branch on the right doesn't make sense to me in the cascading form for this tree, but it's what is expected and practiced. And it is not even questioned that you would remove that because of the fact that that just exists in the bonsai form. It just is. That branch has to be there. Why does it have to be there? Because it's there on every other tree. Hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's it. That's it. Would you remove it? I would. I would. But but there for every action that you perform, there's a, there's a reaction, right? If you gin the branch on the right, then I think you have to come over to the left side of the canopy just below the break in the apex. There's a big billowy branch. I think you probably have to either take that out or reduce it. I think the size of the apex has to shrink. I think you come down to the lower sort of 40% of the cascading branch. You've got to open up negative space there. You've got to decrease the size of both of those bottom pads, break them up and shrink them down. And so the removal of the branch on the right would be a complete reconceptualization of the tree to be able to hold the visual weight without that counterbalance now. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, it makes a tree. You you would be able to see everything that exists right. in this tree. None of this foyer mass emplacement is is hiding something or disguising an inadequate portion of this tree. Which, whenever you see those branches in odd places, you always have to ask yourself: Is there something you're not supposed to see there? Mm-hmm. Right. This tree, that is not the case. But also to win a Kokufu prize, this level of density, this level of development. This level of lushness is mandatory. So we're so used to seeing with our junipers in the United States, a lot of gens, but we're not seeing that on this tree at all, visibly. There might be hidden within all that foliage, but there's... I'm it's sure not, they're it's, in there somewhere, but... Yeah, it's I, not... I would like to see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would like to see the twisting and turning. I think it's a very... I think it's a very interesting discussion where where bonsai outside of Japan is moving, where you see Australian bonsai going, where you see European bonsai going, where you see bonsai in North America going. And I, I mean, I think there's a lot of people inside of all of those cultures that are still very, very um, emphatic about the traditional form. And again, I, I mm-hmm. think I made the, I think I made the, the statement. I'm, I love the traditional form. I do. Yeah. Right. It's beautiful. But I, I, I think there's something more that you could have out of this. Um, but it still does meet all of the standards of a great cascade in terms of that acute angle of drop. It, again, if you're going to have a cascading tree, trunk comes up, the dropping portion, acute angle of drop, and all of a sudden you're set up for success. Yeah. Also that container, a container probably at that point when this tree was shown was as valuable as a Ferrari. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> And that's real. So that's a Murasaki Shude. It's got a slight purplish tint to it, I believe. Wow. Might not be a Murasaki, but it looks Murasaki. The lighting could be, and the background could be tampering with. But if it's a true Murasaki Shude, that's, then that, as a, if it's flawless and it's a Murasaki Shude, a purple-tinted sort of grayish clay, really fine grit, very, very rare antique Chinese container that is as valuable as a Ferrari. At this point in the 64th Kokufu exhibition and bonsai culture in Japan, that's worth a Ferrari. Wow. Now it's worth 
Mm, I don't know what it's worth now, but not anywhere near that. Mm. I remember carrying a pot like that at one time in the first year of my apprenticeship. And Mr. Kimura said, if you drop that, it's like crashing a Ferrari. That's worth somebody's home, mm. that pot, as I was carrying it. How do you say Ferrari in Japanese? Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> Well played. Yeah. Well played, sir. <laughs> and just a little just a little just yeah. a little piece of interest for you guys. Outside on that ledge where all the, the stands are, uh-huh. There's a leather case on the far corner that Kip you can probably see and Troy you can see. Maybe Mike can see it. It's like kind of a light, light beige leather box. Just on uh-huh. the corner. Right. Yeah. On the corner. That is uh the box that holds the Ferrari driver's uh driving suit. It was a gift to Mr. Kimura by a Ferrari driver from Italy that visited his garden. And he gave it to me because he didn't know what to do with it. Hmm. And now it sits up, it sits up <laughs> there on the corner with it either. Stand. No, it's full of Gita. It's full of display things. I just <laughs> used it as like a box. I was like, oh, that's great. I got a Ferrari like case, you know? Not not the fir- not the suit, but just like not the, the suit. I just have the like leather the, box that. What'd you get the from suit. Amazon? No, I don't know, but I got the box. I don't know. Amazon I got the box. Me. It's a beautiful box, right? <laughs> I, and I just felt like I couldn't throw it away. But he's like, you know, this is from a Ferrari driver. Would you like it? And I was like, shh, sh- sure. Do yeah. you have a Prada bag? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> anyways, anyways, what do you want to talk about next, Kip? I don't know. Mike's got the book. Mike, Mike what, what do you got? want? It? Mike, you pick one. You guys pick one. I've been, <clears throat> I've been steering the ship. Page twenty-three looks almost like that Ellie Agnes, but with like the pot maybe that it should have had. Mmm. Hmm. Yeah. Here you go, Kip. Yeah, I think that's accurate with that statement there. You think the other one should have had this pot? I don't know if it should have been. Maybe but. not quite so ornate, uh-huh. but um, depth-wise, it's pretty much the same color glaze. Depth-wise. So this is a, I mean, this is a, gosh, what would you call this? Not quite a rinka. It's, it's kind of a blossom. Yeah. I mean, it's like a lobe, it's like a lobed container of sorts. I mean, I love the hexapenta-octa kind of style, right? Like that middle ground of mm-hmm. semi-cascade, cascading, semi-masculine tones of feminine. You've got a strong base. You've got very curvaceous movement. Yeah, You know what's fascinating about the discussion of all of this is I, I don't think anybody ever was like thinking about all of, is it masculine? Is it feminine? Oh, it's got curvaceous movement, but a very thick trunk. And so we'll put it into, you know, that middle ground of masculine, feminine, feminine being round, masculine being square. Now we've got a lobed, you know, right hexagonal pot they that's had, got they that, had instinct yeah i don't think that it or was ever it quantified the but there's an aesthetic that definitely works when you see how it's repetitiously used and it was refined over hundreds of years of bonsai it makes sense to quantify it to a degree because it's consistent and you see it's like oh yeah no that looks pretty badass well anything less detailed in that pot would derail the detail from the tree itself yeah maybe it is it's the it, detail it, of pot and detail of the ramification that are symbiotic. And I almost think the feet are almost a little too detailed for the tree. I think the feet might be a little too high for yeah. a tree that's that strong. What do you think, John? Yeah, I was thinking that as well. 
I mean, I think you could get away with an oval pot with this with this tree. I love the color with it. I think the color is stunning. The feet feel a little too foo-foo for me. Uh, and I think it's hard, too, because you can tell that that branch, although it's in 2D in an image, you can tell that the branch on the right comes forward at about, like, between 4 and 5 o'clock. And you see how it's centered right between the feet. So this is this is a common misconception of, of, of a round or round-ish container, if you will, that you want the foot forward. I think it looks ridiculous to have the visual weight of the semi-cascading branch or that really long-reaching branch distributed over the open negative space between the two feet. It looks stupid to me. A lot of open space. Huh? To, ha to have the foot underneath that only makes sense, and then it means deviating from some sort of standard protocol. Now, would people know where the front is as easily? No, it would mean the creator would have to put it on the stand in the position that they thought. But the symmetry of having the foot forward also, to me, has less and less appeal the more and the longer that I do bonsai. I mean, it it, it just looks mm -hmm. really rigid and 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 not as functional. It looks like a pot on wheels. Looks like a pot on wheels, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. right. Ron, Ron Lang would call swivel. this a, a Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Cadillac. <laughs> It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful tree though. Stunning, yeah. stunning tree. I mean, and, and when I look at this again, you've got the trunk moving to the right. You've got this prominent defining branch, but the apex is really symmetrical. The apex is symmetrical. It kind of pulls it back. When you look at the high point being centered on the visual weight of the apex, you have this ambiguous direction to the apex or a totally balanced apical formation. And it's just, you know, I don't know. Yeah, if anything, it nods left. Maybe, right? right? Well, well, and if it nods left, it makes sense that it's counterbalancing the move to the right. I can see that. You know, you talk about the semi-cascader cascading form using dynamic design to pull the visual weight back against that big pronounced move in one direction. I could see that. And I see a little bit of the length on the left, maybe like a slight degree uh, on the left, but for the most part, it, it's slightly ambiguous with a little bit of a nod to the left. I agree with you, John. Now you just flipped through a page of the stand with the that looks like roots. Mm. When did that come into vogue? Be in vogue? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know much about the root stands. I don't know where they came from. I don't know who started doing it. When but you... the I, first person who created them, they would people would be like, I love it or I hate it, and it's like, but it. I mean, you can look at the oldest bonsai exhibition albums from Japan, and there are root stands. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like this is a I, I, this is a fairly long-standing thing. I, I, now let me let me digress. I don't know if you can look at like literally historically the <laughs> oldest and be like, "There's a root stand. Root stand came before bonsai." I don't know if that's the case. I need to be careful. But they are. They seem to be very, very. Um, old in their presence in bonsai as it's practiced in Japan. But you know how root stands are made. Do you know how root I stands no are made? I have no idea how. I think they take a chunk and they basically drill out holes and carve it out. So some people will take a chunk. I think that's the less practiced, and I think that's in the shohin or very small sizes of the root stand. But when you get a root stand to this degree and this size they typically glue a lot of different layers of wood together. 
and then go back in and recess carve it. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, because when you think about taking a chunk of wood, a massive one that's going to hold weight, and having your choice of opening up negative space and carving it, if you're not playing the grain correctly, you're going to create a completely structurally deficient hmm. piece of wood. Whereas if you take essentially a glue lamb, right? You mm -hmm. glue all of these layers together, maybe 50 layers of wood, very thin, all glued together. You can carve that however the hell you want. There's no structural loss of integrity with the addition of negative space and the creation of asymmetry. You don't have to worry about the grain. You don't have to worry about shrink swell. You don't have to worry about contortion. And so that's hmm. typically how the larger ones are created. Wow. So there's um, two wood sculptures over there in the corner. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. Those are created in the exact same way that the root stands are created hmm. to allow that freedom of recess carving and reduction of the space and not worry about it splitting apart or the grains falling apart or worrying about the grain swelling and cracking, et cetera. Fascinating. Well, I'm glad I asked that. Pretty wild, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I think in the smaller form, you know, like you see people carving the smaller forms and, and they totally... They totally uh, uh, use a single block of wood, Mike. I think mm. you're. I think you're right there. I'll admit, I've tried to make one of those. <laughs> How'd it go? Uh, terribly. Yeah. <laughs> Very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you see when you see an expert, so my feeling is, if you drive on the east side, doesn't mean I won't try again. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> if you cross over at the headwaters of the Willamette River. You cross over the, the peak of the Cascades and you get on the east side of the Cascades and you drive through all of that country. You see all of those exposed old root bases in the oh, road yeah. cuts and stuff. Mm -hmm. When I look at that, I naturally think, is this where the root stand came from in Japan? Because it has a shocking similarity to a lot of the photos that you see of the eroding hillsides mm. in the Fukushima mountains where the white pines grow the really rugged mountains where the white pines grow in Japan. And it's like, were they out walking in the mountains and saw these exposed root bases? Maybe there was a flower or some shrub growing out of the hollowed rotten center, or maybe even a tree like we see hemlock growing out of decaying Western red cedar in the yeah. Pacific Northwest. And they were like, that's a brilliant idea. Let's just just take a let's dig up one of these stumps and use it as a display. I don't know. I wonder. But that 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 to me, like even driving on the east side of the Cascades, I'm like, God, to just go to just. I mean, that it's just like seems reasonable. It just it it's just a sitting there, it's rotting and decaying. To just go take a couple of those and cut like a little level surface and use them seems totally practical to me. Yeah, I think so. Or it could be where you actually walk across <clears throat> along the ditch bank, right, or the river bank. You see these exposed roots, and you look up, and you see this beautiful canopy of, you know, this tree uh -huh. that's being held up by these exposed roots. Uh -huh. And then what they've done is they've just separated. Continuity. The, yeah, yeah. Boom, boom. Yeah. I wonder. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Will anybody ever know the answer to where did root stands come from? <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going to email you. It's going to be on the forum. I hope so. When this I, somebody post that, please, if you have any clue. They've got to be as old as root cellars. <laughs> no doubt. Let's talk about the picture on page seventy-two. Seventy-two. Wow, taking us deep. Taking that's us pretty. Deep. That's pretty amazing. Oh, there's some there there's there's some magical pieces in this one for sure. Ah, stop it, Danny. 
What do we got? Uh, get out of my face. Love, 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 love this composition. You know this, Troy? That's a beautiful one. Yeah. That's a Ferrari just, just revved up right there. <laughs> you guys want to see the original picture of this composition? Let's the see. Original original picture. 72? Yeah, I'm going to show you something that not many people get to see. Okay. So this is the collection of Kenichi Oguchi. Well, uh, Mr. O that was his name, Kenichi oh, okay. Oguchi. Yeah. And he was the owner of this tree. He was the inspiration behind its creation and the owner of it. So he, Mr. Oguchi was like one of the true blue patrons of bonsai, which means that he would, he found great value in the cultural art forms of Japan and would fund promising bonsai artists, commission them to make pieces and support their evolution uh, in the art form in their advancing of the art form, right? right. So like a true patron of the art. He did so for Suiseki. He did so for uh, calligraphy. He was a very uh, famous calligra uh, calligrist. Calligra That's calligra pretty big at the Kokufu, yes? Okay, so they have that same thing going on there. You guys have seen this, right? Ah, so this is the Kokfu show winning tree in this. Uh, this is the juniper on hmm. page 18. Mm -hmm. was an Oguchi tree. A different pot. Okay. And you. Um, you, you'll see in this collection, this is from Mr. Kramura's original, um, one of his original books. It's also in the bonsai art of Kamura, the red pine that he restyled. Uh, there's a very famous Taxus. I mean, all of these trees, you guys have seen all of these. You just had no clue that they came from Mr. Oguchi's collection. So let me find the original image of the spruce. So I mean, like one famous tree after another in this in this book. Here's some of his calligraphy. Is he still living? No, definitely not. Now, he passed away right before I started my apprenticeship, mm. and it was devastating for all of Bonsai in Japan. The only other, um, the only other, I think, more devastating loss of a patron was uh, Daizo Iwasaki, but they were very, very similar. Wow. Okay, so this is the original. Very young rendition of wow. this okay now you tell me which one you find to be more attractive young one young one 100 mm -hmm. yeah. young one. Yep. so again mm -hmm. we're looking at the spruce forest on the mm -hmm. slab on page 72 why do you find the young one to be more attractive this is important the young one actually looks like more mm -hmm. it's struggling to me uh-huh it mm -hmm. actually has less foliage it has a story and a history to it it's not a healthy bonsai tree. It's, but it's shouldn't not that even be healthy. It's just, a, it's just a, like basking in like the glory of itself. It's got so here. Here is here. Here is where I think spruce and the spruce aesthetic has has uh, uh, I think an an uphill climb 
in terms of the way it's handled as bonsai. The sharp lines of this younger tree are more representative of the way a spruce would grow in the alpine environment to create uh, this kind totally. of condition. Yeah. And when you see how billowy and round and cloud-like they get on page 72, how full they mm -hmm. are, yep. although that's a great bonsai shape, it loses the concept of the reduced surface area that snow load would be wrecking. It loses the directional insinuation that the sail effect would be generating. Mm. You really lose the alpine environment. This looks like a lush, you know, there's no problems here. Live in the high life. There's no problems here. This piece right here Struggle. is when it was at its peak when Mr. Kimura first created it. Mm. In this, in this book. Now, the story behind this piece is Mr. Oguchi would come to Mr. Kimura with concepts about things that happened in the natural environment and ask him to duplicate it in the miniaturized bonsai form. This was a towering sentinel of a parent tree with offspring beneath it, mm -hmm. the product of reproduction in the forest environment. Right? Clearly looks, evident in the younger one. It looks like a mother protecting her children. Right? Yeah, with the whole family. And this yeah. is... Go ahead. What's the year from, from the book you've got there to the Kokufu book? Good question. How many oh, years are we looking at here? Man, this, this is 1990. S90. Here. This book is... I don't know if we're going to get that out of this because it's going to be in the... No clue, man. No clue. This so is, what do you think, about 10 this, years? Yeah. I mean, no, 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 looking, no, 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 no. So this is what? This is when? This is 1990. The Coke Fu book. Yeah, so I would say 10 years. This is, mm -hmm. this is in yeah, the 80s, okay. late 70s, early 80s. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> 10 years is a big deal in a spruce and a bonsai container. Mm -hmm. I mean, you accumulate a lot of growth and mm -hmm. a lot of refinement and pinching. Pinching creates density. But is that necessarily what you really want when you start starting to try and create those linear lines of the alpine environment? No, that one, the and, original one, is a better representation of... Uh, natural environment i think so mm -hmm. too nature yeah. doesn't create density it creates sparseness it creates space if, if, if yeah, it's rugged is. enough mm -hmm. to have all of this deadwood on it then i think i think it's very interesting mm -hmm. i don't even notice the deadwood in the it's Coca in the middle book. Yeah, but I mean, like in the coconut yeah, yeah. one, I don't even hardly it. see it. It's like mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw the younger miniature, very prominent very right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that fascinating mm -hmm. to see that and see the? I, I love looking at these initial um, renditions and iterations of the tree. And and in Mr. Oguchi's book, is is a is a very like significant historical marker for a lot of trees that we see on a daily basis in books, magazines, Coke Fu albums, etc. This is their beginning. This was like a real bubble period, uh, bonsai, pivotal moment in bonsai publication that was created. A lot of famous book trees in here, a lot of Mr. Kimura's early work, very, very uh, historical document of bonsai in Japan, post-World War II bubble period era. So that stand lives with that tree. Uh, you, you mean know, the, the, the the slab? The, the slab. Mm -hmm. um, it it appears so because it's the same slab yeah. in his book as is yeah. displayed mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm assuming Mr. Oguchi was also a a, a patron uh, of the Kokufu exhibition um, because he supported all things mm -hmm. bonsai. But I mean, I, Mr. Kimura. So there are no available. Um, issues of this book. There I was are no just going to say copies. after this podcast comes out, it's going to be the number it. one hit Can't on find Amazon. It. 
if somebody could find this, I would be shocked and amazed. This would be, this would be like finding. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's a publication. He published a very limited number of runs for people that were close to him. Uh, the paper choice, like the texture, yeah, it's beautiful. All, all of this, it's very weird. It's very matte finish. Mm-hmm. Mr. Kamura was the art director for this book hmm. and handled all of the imagery, the photographs taken, the, box alone is the paper, the, the materials. Yeah, I mean, this is like, this is a whole, this is like a whole thing. But I was going to see, this is also in Mr. Kamura's, the art of Bonsai Art of Kamura, the, the spruce clump. We talked about that with Will. But there are several forest iterations and occurrences in here where you start to see Mr. Oguchi wanting to mm. kind of create those forest iterations and representations. And there's one very famous one that I'm looking for that's basically like an explosion of a pine cone, as it's, as it's basically considered and called. And I don't see it in here. Anyways, interesting. Yeah, very... to go back to go back to the roots of a tree and see the beginning of it, you recognize like, oh man, Japanese bonsai doesn't look that much. It doesn't. It actually didn't start out that much different than bonsai in North America is looking right now with what we're creating. When I look at that, I see like, ooh, if we don't want to get to a point where this is contrived and not reflective anymore, we need to continue to manicure and refine and understand where and this re- and remove. And remove and advance yeah. and carry it down the timeline. And this is where you say maybe Japanese bonsai is locked in the teenage years of re- representation yeah. as opposed to adult or even, uh, you know, like grandparent years of representation. Well, 10 years later, this tree got younger. Got younger. <laughs> got <laughs> it younger. didn't get older. It got younger. Yeah. Well, here's a, here's a question that came to mind. When I, when I see that particular planting, it reminds me of that phenomenon in the forest where trees send resources to each other. Do you think that could actually be happening there? Like in the bonsai container, could these be uh, via the chains of microbial activity connected? Yeah. Why wouldn't they be? I don't know. Why wouldn't they be? I think so. That's pretty gnarly to think that that's happening there. I think so. But when you say that, I look at the Ponderosa pine forest that we have, and that one trunk in the back has been weak from the beginning, continues to be weak. It's the only one that has disease on it when everything else is healthy. And if that were the case, I'm like, are you? Are you guys helping out your buddy or like what the hell here? You know, <laughs> like let's get let's get that guy some resources. Maybe that guy's a dick though back there. Could be. <laughs> yeah. Could be, yeah. Could be like could be, yeah. No be the guy in line who's like everybody wants to like him and like somebody who doesn't know the crowd comes in yeah. and they're like, dude, why is everybody so yeah. mean to that guy? And then they spend like ten minutes with him and they're like, yeah. oh, fuck that guy. He's they've been he's giving the, him resources. He just doesn't give any back. So yeah. they're like, forget you. He's the pinus of the group. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Nice Troy. Wow, <laughs> Troy number two. So I think I think as this uh, as those spruce is presented here, I don't know if Mr. Kamura did the work on this for the 64th exhibition or if it was somebody else, but my feeling is potentially this maybe already had changed hands mm. because there's a real obscurity to the apical region. There's a an, an odd sort of presentation of this drop branch where you've almost got like this equivalent uh, length on the right and left of those middle pads. Th- these are not markers or characteristic of Mr. Kimura's handling of this tree compared to what it originally was. I think this probably is, is being presented by somebody else. It's mm, my guess. Sense. But even in its potentially younger representation, amazing. Amazing. Mm-hmm. This is an amazing yeah. composition. It is. 
It's it's entirely awesome. Yeah. Nice choice, Danny. John, what do you got? Thank you. So I'm looking at page 88 here just because it's an odd choice of a pot for a Japanese white pine, but I, I really like it. Um, I guess design-wise, I call it a harmonious design, although the apex to me looks pretty symmetric. <coughs> it's a uh, very uh, kind of finicky, detailed uh, pot, but I think it works great with the tree. Um, and I guess just because the tree itself has a, a lot going on with it. That is, a, that is a rather interesting pot for a Japanese white pine. What do you think about that? Let me ask you something. When you look at that, do you continue to look at the pot? Mm -hmm. Some. Do yeah. you? Yeah. It's a bit well, busy. It's a distraction. Well, I'm just, I, this, is, <laughs> this is an interesting question because when I look at it, I can, I'm, I'm like, oh, I like the pot. I like the tree. Yeah, you're back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, you just, you just do oscillate. Do I like the pot and yeah, the tree? You don't ask forth, yourself yeah. that. Uh, well, I, I mean. Oscillate I or vacillate? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm vacillating. Okay. I'm vaselining. <laughs> right. I, I definitely, I definitely find myself Edit. moving back and forth. And if that's the case, there's something wrong. Yeah. There's something wrong. I think the pot is amazing. I think it's an interesting choice for a white pine. I think it's a conversational piece. Mm -hmm. There's something that, that is, that is. But if it were a real uh, much quieter pot, I don't think you would remember that tree or notice it i think you're absolutely correct i think you, i think that's a very strong point i think that and i think okay so you have a japanese white pine which typically tends to be a little bit more elegant a little softer in terms of the branch lines presentation of the shoots you have this um exposed root base of this white pine which is not the most masculine solid stable representation of a tree that is now uh, cantilevering very far away from its base. Mm -hmm. Totally fine. Balanced, that design, movement to the left, balanced by the counterbalance branch on the rear right. This is one of the best executions of having a counterbalance branch. If you can't bring the apex back to the right, you use that branch on the right. You guys got your next one? Okay, cool. He's telling me to. Okay, so if you can't bring your apex back to the right, <clears throat> use this branch on the rear right to counterbalance this tree. This is wonderful because you don't have stability in that exposed root mass of the base to anchor that kind of leftward movement. Inside of this, when you look at it, the lack of stability, the feminine lines of the design, and the rugged masculine nature of the square pot, I think are at odds. Where I think the pot softens it is the rather circular gakuidi, which is basically that raised section there. But even more than that, I think it's the paintings on the pot. Mm -hmm. So when you see pots that hold white pines, if you're gonna try to put a painting, you have a juniper, or typically you have a deciduous, or if you're gonna go in the really heavy conifer range, you're gonna go with a white pine. And seeing a black pine in a painted pot is almost like that's that's real frou frou for a black pine. 
right? So you have a little bit of delicacy. I think that's where all of it ties together and works. And I think probably where there is some discrepancy is just the yellow color of the painting on, on this very dark toned pot with the white pine is probably where there is some distraction for me. You know, take a closer look at that, T-Roy. Well, I, I'm like, I'm lost. When do we switch from from the pine on the, in the white pot to the one on the, in the dark pot? Wait, what? Oh. That's not a pine. I know. I can't see it from here. I'm just, oh. <laughs> I thought that's the one we were talking about. Oh, no, I'm talking about oh. that. Okay. I, I do like that little tiny gin on the, on the right-hand side. Oh, it's magical, right? That, with, take that away. You mean on I the left-hand like side? Uh, le- yeah. Left-hand side, but the right-hand side. occupies the of, space with a beautiful line. Does. Perfect use of a gin. Yep, breaks away, breaks up the planular form. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, th- that's a pot that Mr. Kamara owns, and only Mr. Kamara owns. It's a very unique pot. If ever you see that, you know that that's a Kamara tree. It's kind of like that's the trees tree wearing too. a tuxedo. Tree. Naturally, <clears throat> it's Kamara tree. Uh, this probably was a composition that a client brought him, because this accent piece right here in the three-point Chuhin display is not something that he would have facilitated. Nor is the the deciduous shohin companion piece. This is not his. He wouldn't have put that in there. But this pine work is definitely reflective. The stand and the pot are definitively his. Mm. So he probably did the tree work, and then the client took it, and they they entered it. The client being a broker who has a client, right, took it and entered it for their client. But Mr. Kamura, I, I think, definitively did the tree work on this for sure. For sure, and they and the that that broker rented the pot in the stand. Hmm. Yep. Very, very, almost, almost positive. That begs the question: Can there ever be a tree, or does Kokafu? Is it always trees that live in Japan? No, I mean, there's I've, there's been Scots pine. There've been not not indigenous, but I mean, like they live in Japan. People from Japan, like I mean, John Naka brought a California juniper over and showed it in the Kokfu exhibition. Okay, long, long ago, way back in the day. What but there are think? pictures of that on the internet. Hmm. Yeah. What kind of a reaction did it get? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think John Naka was highly respected. You know, I mean, Saburo Kato and John Naka were big world figures in bonsai and collaborated. I think they both believed that bonsai could bring peace and unity to a lot of, a lot of people. So do you think you would have a, could get a tree accepted or would they like, no? Oh, I mean, it's impossible to get a, a tree outside of Japan into Japan now. And I, I don't know, you know, I have no idea. Right. Do I think there are trees of the caliber at Mirai to be Kofu trees? I, I don't have any doubt about that. Not to be, not to sound like arrogant, but there are some great trees here. Yeah. You know, and there are some, some trees that are now 10 years into their existence as bonsai that have accumulated the kind of age on the tree that I, I yeah, I don't, I don't doubt that that could happen. Nice. I'm jumping over to page 124. Wow, going way back. I mean, you had this I can't, expression I can't stop on your looking face. What are you going to say? I'm about to say something. What are you going to say? <laughs> there are definitely trees here. We just have to do our own kokafu. <laughs> <laughs> There's enough to do. It was called the Artisan's Cup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if anybody <laughs> wants to fund the next one, we'll do it. We will do it. <laughs> Kapow, there it is. <laughs> this podcast brought to you by the group trying to fund the second Artisan Cup. <laughs> the group asking for money for the Artisan's Cup. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mike, what do you got? 
Prunus. Prunus. What does it say to oh, you? Oh, wow. Yes. That is No, hot. like literally, what is it? Like, it's, wow, it's, what is, what, it's what, grotesque what? and pretty at the same time, um, as a lot of prunuses are. But this is a rather thick trunk, big gaping holes in it. And <clears throat> Someone these beautiful little white it. flowers all over it, pretty thickly flowered. Yeah. It's just, I can kind of look at it all day because it's so right? contradictory and contrasting. I mm. really, really like that tree. <clears throat> what is you this? really like it? What is I this really design? Like that. Uh, confusion? S- total ambiguity. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Total yeah. ambiguity. <laughs> but I mean, but I, I think when you look at trees in the Kokfu that are prepared as flowering trees for the Kokfu, the aesthetic is secondary to the presentation of flowers. There obviously has to be a branch structure that supports the flower presentation, but you fudge on the design to show the best flowers. So branches that would be pruned or shapes that would be changed to make a better tree in the tree form or after it's done flowering, adjustments that would be made are left for the Kokfu. So you give a little bit of grace for any of that kind of, because it's it's really about the ephemeral quality of that flowering moment and having it timed perfectly for the Kokufu exhibition. I mean, this is something that we painstakingly pursued every year. I mean, if you're talking about a Canamelius japonica, just your standard Japanese quince that wants to flower at all of the wrong times, putting it, building, literally building ice chests that are huge refrigerators filling them with ice every couple hours because they're, the ice is melting and we're trying to keep it in the dark and we're trying to keep it cold. And then all of a sudden the judging is coming and we jack the temperature in the greenhouse and stick it inside of a hot box to get it to flower at that point in time. And then we take it and you just want to show the bud swell at the judging so that they know it's going to be in peak flower at the exhibition two weeks later. And then you bring it back and you put it into this box and you pack it with ice again and shut down. I mean, it was crazy what we would do. Wow. Crazy. The timing for the wow. repotting yeah. to not catalyze the flowering because if you touch the roots, all of a sudden it flowers almost as a spontaneous action to the repotting process. Like really? people don't have any clue mm. what is what occurs to get a tree to flower at the Kokfu exhibition. So it's we- not like... Oh, this worked out well this year. That's not what it looks like. I'm telling all of you, Uh it is a monster of a process. So when you see that tree, you think that was a pain in the ass. I think, (laughs) golly, that, that is impressive, right? From the perspective of the flower presentation. Now, here's the thing that makes this unique as a, as a, as a flowering cherry in Japan, deciduous trees outside of the ume typically are not accept, accepted as quality bonsai if they have rot or imperfections in the trunk. And very rarely do you see a flowering cherry that has a hollow trunk or this kind of imperfection to the trunk. I mean, th- what makes this so unique is seeing that rugged, rotting out trunk on a flowering cherry in the Kokufu exhibition. This is unique. It's not standard at all. An ume, sure. A flowering cherry, typically not. A Japanese maple, never. Right? This is fascinating to me. So mm. even within the prunus genus, an ume as opposed to a cherry, you would ex- have different expectations. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I just observe. Oh, okay. I just observe the expectations that were had mm. or were presented okay, on these. And I don't those. know 
why is an ume okay to have all that and a and a cherry is not and a Japanese maple never can? I don't know. I don't know what created those those constructs or expectations or formalities around the criteria that the kokufu judging occurred at. No, no idea. Mm. I just observed it. Interesting and also a little bit underwhelming, the color of the container being an earth tone yeah. that mm-hmm. doesn't engage with the flower and the blossom to take advantage of the full spectacular nature of that. Ooh, yeah. I like that about it. Do you? You like the quiet I, understatedness? Know, I, I, I like it because it gives me this... I'm going to reference a movie. It's like a sleepy hollow. There's just something dark uh-huh. to that combination of like the flower mm-hmm. and the, the grotesqueness of I think it. so. If you brought in a colorful pot, I'd be like, it's too beautiful. Okay, so then talk to me about the accent pot that's green. Yeah. It's the only okay. little bit of life in that thing. See, don't justify it for them, Kip. <laughs> <laughs> don't Don't justify what they're doing. I want to. I look. I'm drawn to the accent pot with that color, because of the earth tone. Once I get past the flowers, mm. I don't want to look at that. You know, like I want to look at it. I want to look at it seamlessly as a total composition. Right. That's the only hole I see in the whole thing. It it almost reminds me like Tim Burton would have created that composition. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, you see what I'm saying? There you go. Maybe that's why I like it. He doesn't do bonsai. It's, it's awesome. He Don't get me wrong. Right. Tim Burton would have created that. Maybe like, Tim that's Burton a little... needs to do bonsai. Maybe. Ooh. Maybe he needs to talk to Mariah about doing bonsai. There's almost Maybe. a face in that huh? trunk. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty interesting. And I think they could have gone much darker with the so pot. what direction would you say that, that apex moves? I think the apex moves to the left. Based on... I mean, it's tough because if you consider that singular pedal the high point, there's more length over here, but you're kind of wrestling between that and that. I don't know. I think mm-hmm. it's ambiguous, to be, to, be, to be honest. Ryan, how do you think they developed that trunk? Uh, I think it was probably collected. Okay. I think it was probably collected or it was in one of their gardens or landscapes and they... I mean, based on the lack of development in the branches and how skinny they are right this is clearly a tree that like was stumped which caused the dieback and then they had these sprouts and then they're like oh look at that and they used it as a bonsai like urban yamadori in japanese bonsai particularly back in the earlier portion of japanese bonsai was totally a common thing very common thing mr kramer's most famous japanese red pine came from a garden it didn't come from the mountains Hmm. um i don't think i have the picture in here Anyways, do you, do you, the one that's all twisted up, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Maybe no. you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, it, it was a garden tree. It wasn't a, a collected tree out of the mountains, which is fascinating to, to think about that. Hmm. T-Roy? Oh, I'm, I'm not ready yet. T-Roy's not yet ready I'm yet, with, ready a, with, yet. A, with a pick. Ryan, you got a pick there? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 so there's a, few, there's a few trees that I was looking at in here. So uh, page 28, the Japanese white pine. Um. Interesting tree to see in the Kokfu, and this is a tree where I think, like, when you look at this, uh, number one, the tree-container combination is, uh, it's it's almost like a, this is one of those combinations, very, very famous tree uh, in Kicho Bonsai Kokfu Prize. The, the, the root stand, I actually think, works more magnificently with the tree than the container does. 
just because of the color contrast and, and the root stand causes the composition to pop with that sort of reddish hue with the green of the pine. Mm-hmm. Again, like you can't see much of the pine's trunk. This is a spectacular pine. And the owner of this pine won the Sakufu Prize with it not that many years ago, less than a decade ago. And when it when it came back, it was like this Kicho bonsai coming back and winning another major prize, which was kind of interesting and spectacular. But it's fascinating to see this tree winning the Kokfu Prize in the 64th Kokfu exhibition. I, I didn't realize that that was a Kokfu Prize winner at this point in time. I want to see so much more. I want to see so much more of this tree. It, it looks like a big green ball. And this this pine is truly tortured and really, really interesting. And the container that lives with it is quite beautiful as well. Like a really, you don't see this kind of uh, radical creation of a semi-cascading container very often. What else you got? Troy, what do you 216, got? 216, 225. 216 and 225. Well, uh, 216 through 225. Oh. And you'll see the reason big. why. You'll see the reason why. Oh. So what is the story about this whole display? Wow. You know, wow. just... Enlighten us here. In love, I don't know if I have the. I don't. I honestly, the Shoheen realm is is outside of my expertise to some degree. Now I can talk about it to the degree that I know mm, about yeah, it. Sure. But I am, I am going to quantify that I know not enough about it to speak in an expert. So Lime, disable the comments on this uh, podcast, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so he, here is my impression from a practicality perspective. Right. And, and nobody's ever told me this, but if you walk through the Coke exhibition, if you walk through the national show in the United States, you walk through any European exhibition and you just put one little Shoheen tree on the table next to some monumental, massive monstrosity of a Rocky Mountain juniper or a Scots pine or a Japanese, but whatever it is, nobody's going to stop and look at that little Shoheen tree. And this is unfortunate because that little Shoheen tree probably took more work, honestly. More mm-hmm. work, more labor, more dedication. Shoheen is a discipline, right? And so if you look at Shoheen carrying the kind of visual weight that makes them appreciable in an exhibition next to a very big tree, it takes numbers and it takes the occupation of space. But you can't just willy-nilly throw these shoheen trees into this space and be like there you go i don't know there's a bunch of little trees uh looks good right and so this organizational strategy which typically when you talk about the very pinnacle tree of a shoheen display is is oftentimes a pine and more often than not a black pine Mm -hmm. now some people talk about this and refer to this rack and that pinnacle tree as the highest tree on a mountain. Well, if it's a Japanese black pine, you automatically lose that concept because Japanese black pine is a coastal tree. So it doesn't even grow in the mountains, right? So so that's like another one of these like far-fetched, like somebody's explaining it and it's like, well, you're full of shit, right? That you have no clue what you're talking about. But when you start to look at it, it is and should be a very dominant tree that anchors the composition and typically in the conifer category. Juniper, black pine, sometimes a white pine, not very often. When you move through the rack, 
So the top tree leaning towards the exterior portion and this tree that exists outside of the rack. Mm -hmm. Very, very common directional insinuation that you'll see as a commonality throughout mm. these. All of the defining branches are leaning these two pieces. The outer piece that sits outside of the rack leans towards the rack. The upper piece leans towards that outer piece. This creates the asymmetrical flow of your Shoheen composition, okay? And as you move through the rack, when you go from the top piece down to the next dawn or the next stair or the next level, this piece now leans to the next piece, this piece now leans to the lower piece, mm. this piece now leans to this, this is a self-contained unit, and then you jump out with these two pieces relating. Okay, mm -hmm. so you stair step down with each piece bowing to the next piece. Your rack is a closed system. Your upper piece and your outer piece now engage with each other in the asymmetrical flow of the composition, mm -hmm. creating an entire entity that is self-contained in its movement. Right. When you talk about the quality of a Shoheen composition, different species at each position in the flow of that composition. Right, So we have six pieces in this, plus the accent is seven. Obviously, in, Je in Japan, you're most likely going to have an odd number of elements in any display. Right, And when we look at, okay, we move from the on page 216, the black pine to the juniper to, I'm assuming, a trident maple to, I'm assuming, a holly to, I'm assuming, a, a kinzu, and then on the outside, an azalea, and you've got your accent piece. Each tree is a different species. Okay, now if you're really playing the Shoheen game well, the shape of each pot will be different. The color of each pot will be different. The stand that sits under every single tree, if there is a stand, is there to elevate it to a height that differentiates it from its neighbor. The stands would be a different shape as well, so every single element has no mirror reflection of another element in the composition. This means that you have a vast quantity of trees, containers, and stands that fit inside of that rack for that group of trees to create a Shoheen composition that is worthy aesthetically of being appreciated is a massive endeavor, mm. massive. Quite a puzzle. People do not understand what goes into Shoheen compositions at the highest level. And the Kokufu is not the highest level of Shoheen bonsai. The Gafuten is. Mm -hmm. The Gafuten is really where Shoheen hits its highest level of display. And if you guys ever want to see the Gafuten, there are the smaller books on the right. Mm -hmm. on of the course, side. they're the smaller ones. Yeah, there's smaller <laughs> ones, right? They're the Shoheen books on the right. <laughs> but I mean, I think it's interesting when you look through these because you see a variety of things. For example, on page 217, every tree mm -hmm. has a stand. On 216, only uh, two of the trees in the rack have a stand. To see a tree on the very top of the rack have a stand like you see in 217 with the white pine and the white pine being the pinnacle piece and it not being a very large dominant piece makes this naturally a little bit weaker. You see the second the second tree down on page 217 is very small in the in a space where you would typically see a more dominant tree. Uh, very interesting. The cryptomeria on the outside, quite quite spectacular. I mean, each one of these has pros and cons to be sure when you start to look at every element of the display and if you ever saw a shoheen composition win the kokufu prize it's really spectacular mm. it's got to be really spectacular has there been one sure there's oh. been i believe there's been two mm. 
I believe uh, there's been two. So when you look at the box or the, what do you call the... The, the, the rack. The rack. When you look at the rack, aesthetically, could it work without the tree on top? Hmm. I don't know that you would have the pinnacle of the living object giving direction and relating to the like outer object. Start? I think you lose the asymmetry in the flow of the composition mm. because the interior of the rack is self-contained. Mind you, the first position bows to the second position. The second position bows to the third position. The third position bows to the fourth, and the fourth bows to the third. This bows in, this bows in, this bows in, this bows in. That's self-contained. There's no asymmetry in that. Mm. The flow comes from the upper piece and the outer piece engaging with each other. Hmm. It's interesting. The two, the one thought I had was how to elevate your game. Like, could you have a a, a display just of just all of juniper, but different, maybe different species sure. of juniper, sure. right? And does anyone ever do that? Sure. But then I thought. But just doing juniper and then just doing different styles. Like it's, one's a cascades, one's an informal upright, one's a formal, you know, like, and then the... A showing formal upright juniper. Totally possible. I'm mm. sure it's been done. Right. Just but an it, interesting but just, concept. Right, but just like... Really fascinating concept. <laughs> <laughs> but just in the sense of you do, you pick five or however many are different done forms. That. Yeah, I, th I think they've absolutely done that. But then to elevate your showing game is like, even in the best of the shot, while it each has a different design. But I don't think that that's been done in the Kokfu. That, but that you know, sounds so, like... So if you're talking about the Kokfu... Crazy level. Yeah, but I think that's been done yeah. in the Gafu 10. I think okay. it's been done in the Taikon mm. 10. I think it's been done a lot in Taiwan, Indonesia. Mm. Some of these areas where there is more like... You know, you could look at just Pemphis. Just Shoheen versions of Pemphis. Pemphis or Hibiscus. And singular displays that are all one species in a diversity of that forms. That sounds fascinating. To me. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Shoheen, I think Shoheen does not get enough credit because it's not this large, giant-sized eye-drawing physical mass, and it's a it's a just a dead shame. Yeah, it's an absolute well, shame. Well, I think the um, the people that do Shoheen are the uh, pocket square kind of guys, right? Ah! Where the guys that do the big trees are like jocks, and they get yeah. all the uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, you don't wear pocket squares? <laughs> I've got some Shoheen trees at Mirai. <laughs> you, you didn't answer the question. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I, I can get a little square. Look, oh. I played Magic when I was a kid. Do you feel like I love breeze? Magic the Gathering. That's what I'm saying. I still have my cards. I just so do I. Are you kidding oh, me? No. <laughs> no. Oh, no. no this I, this oh, table no. right here would be great to play Magic the Gathering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Would. We, could play, we could play Emperor. Listen, and I'll tap could... my mana and rock you all day long. <laughs> okay? Fireball, fireball, yeah, right, fireball. Right. Uh, 187, page 187. Yeah, I used to get made fun of at lunch for playing Magic the Gathering while everybody was out playing football. Sometimes you got to do it. It was the dragon pictures that drew me to it. Oof. Wow. I think this type of a trident maple, although I think the roots are extremely exposed and a little bit artificial looking, like the way that they're spaced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See the even spacing between them? There are definitely trident maple versions like this that are extremely incredible in terms of the way that they're handled and just, just breathtaking. To see the plated out that. roots... The diversity of the of the trunk thicknesses where they occur to create depth, to create scale, difference of height, 
this isn't as highly ramified as I would say, like the more superior versions of this form of Trident Maple are, but the ramrod straight trunks, something that has a straight trunk having this much interest is really special. Like I think Mike, the juniper that you're working on, trying yeah. to tease what's interesting out of that, that tree is special, it has a spiraling dead straight trunk, but it's just not interesting. The way it's been handled is not interesting. I think there's a lot of interest. This trident maple has a lot of interest. The size of the accent piece to the tree in terms of just just thinking about the composition is uh, crazy. It's crazy. Like I that. think Kip's mistress is pretty interesting. Think so? I do. Lauren, if you're listening to this, she, he's talking about a tree. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't comment any further there because I didn't know where that was going. I don't either. And I, I, didn't, I, I, I didn't. still don't know the story, so... Well, uh, we were Kip, talking about Kip's the tree earlier. We were actually on right now. we were actually talking about his tree, and where it's going, and what you were thinking about it, and what he's thinking about it. Yeah, I think so. Again, as a Rocky Mountain juniper, a natural root connected triple trunk Rocky Mountain juniper with that kind of character in the branches, I've never seen it. Yeah, never seen it. I was drawn to it. Just it, it, it's it's amazing, right? And where does it go? It's got to go in a direction outside of the predictable. It's just mm. got to it's just got to be very organic in the way that it's handled. In my mind, right? This is how I right. feel about it. This maple, though, that uh, that the second trunk, the medium trunk, that is just so ever slightly spaced away. Yeah, I'd, I I double take at that and just go, is that connect? Is that real? Am I seeing that? Is that mm -hmm. behind? Is it for yeah, like, just, I just a keep little bit of daylight, it. just a little just a sliver bit of daylight. You better believe that's rotating as those trunks get thicker to maintain that space. <laughs> <laughs> the front is going to change. Eventually right. they're going to melt together, right? They are going to melt together as is that root base. And it's probably going to be even more magical. Now the interesting thing about this is with a trident maple, uh, if you build this plate root system, you can actually implant these trunks. Like literally a plug, you open up a wound, you take a, a, a well-developed piece, cut it off, plop it in there, and all of a sudden you've got this system already created. Trident Maple can do that. And so a lot of these are made after the fact. They're not grown to be this because growing, growing these pieces so that this dominant trunk is that thick and straight and scarless and these other pieces are that skinny is almost impossible. To keep that small skinny piece skinny while the other tree gets that thick, it's virtually impossible. The viability of keeping it for a long period of time is... That thin. Yeah. Yeah. Not it had to come it. afterwards, right, mm -hmm. as an implanted sort of component. And, uh, mm -hmm. Cool. That's a technique for trident maples. It's great. Love it. But interesting dialogue nonetheless. Let's go, go to 62. Mike, you look like you're about ready to pass out. Oh, I'm good. It's it's only a hundred and seventeen degrees in here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a it's a man's sweat chamber right now. <laughs> yeah. You ever see that maple that <laughs> Hagedorn done where he air layered a branch and then plugged it in on the bottom after after it rooted? Yeah. And he plugged it on the bottom as a secondary trunk. Yeah. Really interesting. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. how. Mm -hmm. But with yeah. the trident, you don't even have to air layer it. Mm. You just. Well, he took it off the off the parent, so it's it's the same. Yeah, yeah, okay. But with a trident, you don't even have to get the roots on it. You just pull you that just, off, put just a plug in, plug, plug it, it in. right in. Yeah, and plug, if you do it, and play. if you do it with really concise technique, it will mm -hmm. fuse very rapidly. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Interesting, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a technique. If you talk about Abihara, who, who I don't believe does bonsai any longer. And, and when I was in Japan studying, I mean, you can look back at the old Kimbo magazines and the guy was a mad scientist. I mean, he would, he would take a Japanese maple, he would root graft the apex of the Japanese maple with a, a thread graft. He would then cut it off. Excuse me. He would thread graft the roots onto the apex. Mm -hmm. He would thread graft a branch on to the lower 30% of the trunk. And if the middle 30% had the same diameter and was uninteresting, he would cut that out and he would move the apex down to the base of the tree, create with calipers the exact diameter of a well-fitted puzzle piece cut living Japanese maple apex onto the base of the tree because of the grafts, they stayed alive. They refused. He cut the grafts off and you have a Frankenstein tree. He cut the oh midsection of a tree out. What? Whoa. Oh yeah. What <laughs> crazy. A.B. Horace <sighs> is crazy. He would be, hmm. he would be, I'm trying to think, he would be the Elon Musk of bonsai. <laughs> okay, like nothing was out of the realm of possible with that guy. Wow. He ended up getting cancer, got very sick, got out of bonsai, survived cancer. When I was there, he sold all his trees. He was out of bonsai. I don't know if he ever came back, but he was he was truly, you would want to talk about magician. That guy was the magician. Mm. That guy was mm. the, I mean, I mean Mr. Kramura, incredible creative mind. Absolutely. A.B. Hara, mad scientist out in the boonies doing wild stuff. Wild stuff. Crazy, craziest stuff you've seen done in bonsai. And I think only the precision of the precision is what allowed him to do it. I don't think anybody else can duplicate Abihara's techniques. Can't be done. Mm. What do you guys got? Anything? 62 there. 62? Did you call this out? I did. Oh, okay. Uh, what, what are we talking about here? I dislike this tree so much. Huh. <laughs> and we went there. I don't I feel this is a good example of two different people designing it, maybe not even finished designed. The th billowy at the top, <sighs> the bottom wow. feels like I'm trying to be separate pieces, but it's not even. So this is detailed. what you're talking about when you feel like the apex and the bottom are two different things. It's getting there, but I don't, I, I, I feel like it was, I'm surprised this made it into the book. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for the tree, <laughs> to be honest with you. Like, pot, like, I understand why they chose it, kind of. Like, maybe the tree would fall over without the rim touching. Maybe it needed to be this big because the roots, they right. couldn't do the work on the roots, or maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know. There's so many ways this tree could be incredible. I think it, I think it has the potential. I think the, the potential of the tree is probably a completely different front and a completely different planting angle and a completely different handling of the tree entirely. Uh, because I, I do think, and the, the reason you're seeing the difference in the lower branches versus the upper piece is they're trying to grow them into a place where they think they need to exist. In all actuality, just take that whole lower section that's moving back to the left off and have that tree elevated out to the right with some negative space there showing the deadwood along the bottom of the trunk and you have a way better tree. That is far more asymmetrical flow, right? So this is non-congruent because it just doesn't belong yeah. in my mind. But then beyond that, you're getting an exposure with the photograph showing through the branches. 
you only have a foreground quantity of branches. There's nothing in the background of that depth piece. So now you see the transparency and all of a sudden, if you see a different density branch to branch, that's all you focus on in the tree. Mm. So when you think about good bonsai styling, how is good bonsai styling executed? You could have the sparsest tree in the world. And as long as every single positive mass of foliage has the same degree of sparseness, it will look dense. This is the this is the magic of Mr. Kramura being able to turn a tree that's only been four years as a bonsai, like from a raw tree, four years into a kokufu tree. I mean, he basically just tricks your eye into seeing the density that doesn't exist, to seeing the ramification oh. that's not there. Because if you distribute that positive foliar mass pad to pad equally across the tree, it looks dense. I'm just on a different scale. It's just a total play on the way your eye perceives positive and negative space in design. Hmm. And in th this is a perfect illustration of how uh, I think that distribution is not well executed. Mm -hmm. And I think it's not well executed because they're striving for something that works against the grain of the tree it's in the first like place. like a big right? blob of foliage. I'm sure from a different angle from a different front, from a different design concept, I'm sure this is an amazing tree. You have a rotating live vein that's literally a rotating live vein with the presence of deadwood is all that you need for a juniper to be great. It just means the creativity and the design has to be there to maximize it. Yeah. And unfortunate, the container's unfortunate. Bums, bums me out. Bums me out. And the stand. I, the square, the rectangles, I mean, the squares are just distracting. Yeah, a lot of squares. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of squares in a tree that is not very strong visually. A lot of squares mm -hmm. for for a less than stable tree. Yeah. What do you got, Danny and John? Oh, you guys were asleep at the wheel. Yeah. No, actually, I was looking at that tree. Uh, the design execution of sixty two is horrible. It's, yeah. it, it's interesting to 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 see it's like is there but a, to be able to break it down and say why it isn't great is i think valuable mm. right well i mean i think so we can always say like we like or don't like but then it's like quantifying like or don't yeah. like is what forms our actual like yeah. our style and aesthetic about bonsai so being very very clear and transparent lime choose something man you uh, well i mean it's going back you, to you and turn, turn the tree. wheel over to you if huh? you clean the tree and you're just like, well, it's too heavy up top, and you're just like, it's not the same at the bottom, you know, that, like, make it even throughout, and you're like, oh, that's so much better. Yeah, sure. Being able to, again, being able to clean, far more important than being able to wire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Being able to clean and take out bottom-growing stuff, evenly distribute foyer mass, look at positive and negative space, and make everything balance far more important than being able to wire. Wire is secondary to that action and everybody wants to blast past that time consumptive process of cleaning. And it's like, dude, if you just clean while wiring is easy, it becomes so easy. The, the tree makes itself known, the design makes itself known, the wiring goes on far more simply if you just take the time to clean. Mm. Cleaning is the technique of wiring, right? It like literally sets mm. the stage for wiring. Yeah. Nobody wants to do it. See, so for me, cleaning is I where the cleaning. design comes to life. It's like that's where you figure out. It's where you meet the tree. It's where you know the tree. It's where the design starts to make itself known as well. It becomes very, very easy. At that's that what we were talking about, Kip's tree. Yeah. Definitely. The cleaning process. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Especially interesting in the sense of, of sense of, because I cleaned it, but I cleaned it, like I was telling you, with the option to those uh the crotch growth 
there was some significant crotch growth, but if we need to pull it in, it's kept as options right now. Uh-huh. Just in the cleaning. Because, like, if we bring it in, like, I didn't want to get rid of it because then, yeah, we've got nothing to go back to. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. but it was a conscious choice. Yeah. Not a laziness. Yeah. 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 Well, and it, I think, like, um, people assume our native junipers. It's like, oh, they're always pushing juvenile growth or growth from the crotch or this or that. It's like all of that stuff is just part of the bonsai evolutionary process. Like you, you can definitively change that stuff. You know, it's like I was telling you, you're like, wow, there's a lot of stuff in the crotch. It's like you can you can train it out of it. You can train the burl type growth. You can train the epicormic growth out of a redwood. You can train the burl growth out of a juniper. Like you can reform those lines of vascular transport to be straight, clean, and the strength goes to the tip instead of that junction where all of the vascular resources get entangled. It just takes a little bit of time, a little bit of consistency, and a little bit of dedication. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Kathy's Rocky Mountain Juniper in the John Pitt oh. uh, mm-hmm. round red pot that's on the three-tier bench. Mm-hmm. This is a tree that had 5,000 branches all growing from like five burl locations on the tree six years ago. Now, six years later, there's not a single location where there's a burl of growth on that tree and all the strength is out on the tips of really well-developed branches. If you guys see the original picture of that tree, you wouldn't even believe that it was capable of becoming what it became. Mm. It's just reforming. So yours with that crotch growth, it, it'll be the same kind of transformation. Yeah. yeah. And while Lime picks here, do you have one? Oh. He's got it. Dropping bombs. 175. Woo. 175. Woo. Tengen Delight. Tengen Delight. Tengen. Tengen. I just don't, I don't get why we're showing with this. and I don't understand that. Tengen. It's a Tengen Delight in a Jingasa. Watch your language, okay? Totally. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. no, <laughs> sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to offend. Uh, do you know this tree? Mm-mm. No, I don't. But there is like, I mean, I think in any bonsai culture, there is a fascination with just the absolutely radical flamboyant deadwood in the mm-hmm. air above the crown of the tree and oftentimes disproportionately large compared to the foyer mass. And I'm like, I'm no exception. I think that's awesome. <laughs> uh, there was a tree in Japan that I did in my sixth year for the Kokufu exhibition that was like this, but only 10 times better. The hmm. the original, the, ba- the basal movement on the trunk uh, of the tree that I uh, got to work on was, was really beautiful. What years were you there? Uh, so I was in Japan 2004 to 2010. Oh, interesting. So if we picked out like the 68th, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I know all these trees. I've seen, you were at. Wait, the 64th was 1990, 2000? right? Oh, yes. 90. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So, you, so 74th would be 2000. So 78th. Yeah. But, but remember, I told I we've looked at those books and I've told you guys like, oh, yeah, no, I did. I did. I wired this tree. Like, here's the story of this one. This one fell off the cart while we were wheeling it in. See, yep. that's crazy. Uh-huh. Well, you remember that? Yeah. Next, next Juniper class, we'll be going through one of those. So you want to go, tell go those through one of those? I'll tell you the story of those. Those are hilarious. Yeah, so so the, this upward rising gin, they call it a ten gin, ten gin, if you'd, right? And then uh, the container, Jingasa, is I the really name like of that container. container. I love that container. I think yeah. the Jingasa form is really beautiful. I just want to raise my hands when he says... 
Jingasa. <laughs> Jingasa? There it is. There it is. Now, this is a really, really interesting tree. I think I think it's um to see the gin dropping down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the gin going up is a little bit um in it's it's kind of confusing to me. A little bit. Maybe that's just me. Seems like a lot of gin. There's no live wood touching the pot. Everything's dead. I mean, it's just on the left side and it's linear, but it's the, it's barely there. Yeah, I see mm-hmm. it. It's in the shadows. It's, yeah, it's, it's in the yeah, it's, it's in the shadows. And I wonder, there. like, wouldn't you want that tree to be in the middle of that pot? Don't you want it in the middle of the pot so I bad, do. or is that just me? No, that's where I want it. I want it in the middle. Not, not if you want to keep that hanging gin, though. No, I'd lean it. I, I would put it in the middle of the pot, and I'd lean it forward a little bit. Yeah, change from being so sure. vertical. Yeah. yeah I, I, see, I feel that. See, I see you, Danny. I see you. I'm into that. Hmm. But the gin kind of steers it back in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit. I, I wonder if there's a little bit of a rotation counterclockwise that could pull, pull in a little more movement, shift it to the left a little bit, do a little something-something, and have, have, have some more mojo in that. It's interesting. There's a little more root base on the right that you can see covered by the moss. If you could pull that up and have that be some contour. But notice in the notice in the three-point display, the number of dark elements, the dark container on the gardenia, the dark jingasa pot, and the dark stand that it sits on. It's a lot of dark. It's a lot of darkness. A lot of like a lot oh, of like really mm-hmm. deep dark elements. Just a little bit of lightness, a little bit of uh, reddish hue to the container or to the stand to mm-hmm. break up that s- s- sort of similarity of the surfaces. Maybe the gardenia could just have like a sky blue pot for crying out. So just something to just get away from the darkness. It's real Maybe dark. Maybe the focus was on the flowers of the gardenia. I mean, I feel that. I'm fine with that. If you're thinking about focusing on a flowering or fruiting element of a tree the color contrast that would maximize a light orange fruit seems to me it would need to be in the same color value and not just a really dark navy blue pot. I'm glad it's not a lighter blue because that's kind of what you'd expect to see. And I think I'm, they're conscious of that, like the cobalt. Could be. Could be. I'm, I mean, I appreciate that. I think like you'd expect to see it for good reason, though. Mm. <laughs> that's not to say you're, you're yeah. wrong no 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 it's it's subjective and maybe now maybe maybe i'm just falling into conformity it's hard to look at man it's a lot I'll of darkness <laughs> the way we handle deadwood with the fordums and so forth same as in japan clean you know you get a raw tree that you need to clean all the well, when you think about the way that we handle deadwood with the Fordham, like we don't uh, touch the oldest deadwood, right? Mm-hmm. But you're going to have the oldest, most weathered deadwood the farthest away from the live vein because it was the first to die. And the live vein continued to recede. And you're going to see a gradual transition or gradation of age from old to intermediate to younger right up against the edge of the living vein. So if that living vein has continued to recede and you're taking the Fordham and you're removing just that very, very minimal surface right up and defining the edge of the live vein, that smoothness that the Fordham creates is no different than the smoothness that the wood exists below that old expired living tissue. 
and still stays in line with the natural transition and gradient, right? Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't, when it starts to age and take on grain and crack and dry, it doesn't look unnatural to me, at least from my eye. And I think in, in Japan, that's how Mr. Kimura handled it for sure. But the insects that we're looking at right there, most of the trees I see from Japan that have deadwood that is exposed like that, it just seems like it's just one um, polished piece of wood, mm. you know, from, from base to the top. Yeah, and I mean, I don't, um, I don't think that they work that. I, I, I mean, some people carved, obviously carving is a, it was a, a big part of different people's approach to bonsai, but I don't think that that's a universal approach in Japan. Mm. I think that you also have a very silky smooth kind of growth habit to the shimpaku mm-hmm. where they occurred, the environments that are acting on them, their, their behavior. And it created that kind of ribbony sort of satin like deadwood that you yeah. see. But I think that's more a characteristic of the juniper, just like Rocky mountains have fine grains and California's have these big coarse mm-hmm. fins of deadwood and Sierra's rot from the inside out and are hollow. Shimpaku is a silky juniper. Mm. It really is. It's a very smooth, sensuous juniper. Do you see people in the United States perhaps see, doing what they see in Japan to yes. the native yeah. deadwood? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think, I think like, I think that is missing. I, I think you see people in Europe do this too, trying to sandblast every single Sabina juniper to look like a Shimpaku. And it's like, that's not a Sabina. That's not what they do do right uh i think that's people can do whatever they want Mm. yeah i think it's missing the boat of capturing the character of the tree and the environment if that is and again the base root of bonsai is representation of nature and miniature Mm -hmm. whether it changed under the construct or pressure of japanese culture or not it doesn't change what it was originally designed to do that's that's what it comes down to for me. One of the things that drew me to this is that it doesn't represent nature to me. It just represents an artistic form. Mm. I just feel like it represents some this artistic form of a tree. Because mm. I've never walked around and seen a tree. I mean, anything that would be dead like that out in nature, way up like that, would just been I, mutilated by nature. I've never seen the Jardine juniper. Different. Which one? The Jardine juniper. I have the oldest Rocky Mountain juniper in the world. Uh-uh. No, you should look at a picture of that and. I have a different opinion. All right. Yeah. Mm. Do people, I guess, here's the, the question is, how does that execute it? Is that collected? Is that grown for 20, 30 years? And then the intention of that coming in. Play like that gin? Piece, how is yeah, that, that, that gin that, executed? That I'm gin. assuming it's collected. And I'm assuming just the same way as a lot of the gins that we have on collected trees. Like some of them were alive and then they died, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And that bottom part is all that lived. Some of them were killed off. Some of them came out of collection like that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think there's any number <laughs> of explanations for how that occurred. Amazon Prime. <laughs> you think it could be steam bent? Huh? You think it could be steam bent into that shape? The deadwood? Yeah. I think there are portions that could have been steam bent to accentuate mm. the movement. Yeah, that curly Q kind of on top, maybe. Mm. They actually seem a little elegant, huh? I mean, you look at the deadwood we're working on; it doesn't look like that. That's very. That's elegant. That's very, completely elegant. Again, I'm telling you, like mm. Shimpaku juniper, the deadwood is very sensuous. Like a dancer reminds me of a ballet dancer mm. making it's very moves. sensuous. Mm. 
But it does reflect it's the person who's working on it, Danny. Well, <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I, and, 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 and who knows, who knows what it is that makes it have that kind of, ri- because it really is a ribbon, right? When you mm-hmm. see the way it bends, it's like a ribbon kind of folds. It's like almost like a ribbon falling through the wind informally is the Deadwood of Shimpaku. Yeah. And that huh. that is really... It's really beautiful. I mean, it's uh, it's it's like art in motion almost, but it's like yeah, there's a freeze frame of that moment where it's just. Have you ever seen American Beauty, the mute movie? Oh yeah, yeah. And the part where the kid that smokes all the pot mm-hmm. is talking about how beautiful the bag blowing in the wind yeah. is because he videotapes everything. Yeah. So I was like stopped at a stoplight going to pick up Taft in Portland, and there was this bag. I was just moving magically in the wind. And of course I think of American beauty, but this bag beat the shit out of that guy's bag for being beautiful <laughs> in the wind. And like, I just had this moment where I was like, wow, my plastic bag is better than your that plastic is, bag. That is a uh-huh. stunning moment right here, you know, and then a semi just plowed through it and it, and it was like all over, you know, but for like that moment, I was like, I get it. I get it. Like the plastic bag in American Beauty. I don't know what you're talking about. He was crying. It was so beautiful. I didn't get it. I had my moment the other day. Okay. Anyways, ribbon falling in the wind. Shimpaku Juniper Deadwood. I feel that. Mm. I feel that. I like that ribbon explanation. Falling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah. Ribbon, it's, it's, yeah. yeah. That's nice imagery. Thanks. 157. 57. You've memorized all the pages. Yes, I've memorized all the pages. I think, is it 157? I I may have lied. Uh Uh-oh. Man down. Talking smack? No, not 157. I lied. Son of a pup. Uh, 152. Did you say son of a pup? Yeah, I did. Trying to not get Uh, the large E explicit rating on this podcast. That was the other tree. It was between those two I wanted to pick. <laughs> I want to talk about the pot. Ah. Uh-uh. Without that line in the pot, it's too masculine. That line, for me, gives it the femininity to it to allow the feminine shape of that cascade to exist in that pot. You take that line away, I don't like that pot with that mm. tree. I, I differ on that. I think the, that line makes the pot look shallower than it should be for a cascading tree. I liked the pot on its own, but but does the then in that in that regard does that line then provide since it looks more shallow to you does it still make it look impressive? I think that or if there you, was going to be detract? a feminine element in the pot, it should have been something else, like maybe the wall well, or something. They're picking up the feminine aspect for the feet, right? See how the feet are. Yeah, the feet are very feminine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's also true with the feet and the line. I speak truth, my friend. to me with the movement in that cascade that pot like if there was a curve under the lip or something that might the front left foot doesn't touch the stand that bother anybody i didn't even see that (laughs) now it does sorry the stand is um quite nice it's kind of frank lloyd wright looking stand i don't know what do you think yeah tall rectangles I mean, it's it, it it's either made of bamboo or it's mimicking bamboo. I think oh. it's made of bamboo because okay. you can see the nodes of the bamboo. I didn't notice that. 
What does everyone else think about that? I, I, I think it's a... I love that pot with the tree. I like the tree because there's so much negative space. You can see mm -hmm. the movement. You can see the tree. Yeah. It's kind of a relief from that the cascade we phenomenal. saw at the beginning. Yeah. I like the tree. I like the tree a lot. Mm -hmm. I gotta say, I mean, I would change the dynamic of the apex because it looks a little pom pom. Yeah. But 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 I agree. But um, and like the deadwood isn't particularly special at the base. And no. Uh, because the live vein on the right and left neck down, it actually makes the base feel like there's inverse taper because the deadwood tapers to a narrower point at the base than it is at the top of the fin. And like you take all of those things and and then when I look at the tree, I'm like, ah, I, I think this is awesome. Yeah. You know, there's like those things. It makes you just feel. So, well, so when yeah. I look at all of that, I would I would change all those things. Very easy. Mm -hmm. Very easy to change the dynamic of the deadwood and its relationship to the live veins at the base of the tree to change how we interpret that visually. Very easy to change the shape of the apex, the density of the apex, all of those things. The cascading branch, the movement of the cascading branch after you get past that straight drop. And again, people, when you think about movement, shy away from straight areas. What value is all that movement if you don't have something straight to complement it with? You know what I'm saying? Because like, then it all becomes the same. Like, like that straight drop and then all that craziness is so awesome. It's awesome. Very dramatic. That is awesome. And I love the pot. And I love the stand too. I'm a big fan of this piece. Yeah. I would love to have the opportunity to work on this piece. Hmm. I really would. And think about this. That's 83 centimeters top to bottom. That's hmm. really? not a small tree. That's like not small. Bigger than you think. Looks like that's probably a medium sized tree, doesn't it? Yeah. Because of the scale and proportion of the pads being so large, you would think that that is a much smaller tree than if you saw it in person. It would be much bigger than you'd think. That just it, makes it even cooler. And just by changing <laughs> the scale of the pads, you could make it look far larger because it's not even three feet. But right now it looks like it's about mm, 18, 22, maybe 24 inches high. Bigger than that. Way bigger than that. Hmm. Kind of fascinating, huh? Centimeters and inches. Inchy sen. About 146. All I'm saying is hit me with that hit character with, branch, man. Hit, hit me with, with that. that hit me with that defining branch. Mm -hmm. Like somebody mm. stop the flavor from bleeding through the page. Like stop it. Now, what about that upper section of that dropping branch? Isn't like, my eye keep kind of going there? It's, it seems heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, in a good way. I don't know. Okay. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting how with the last one and this one. You just have this initial feeling. I love it. Oh, well, there's things we could change. Yes, I would totally change some things. But you have instantly gone, I am viscerally responding to this. I'm drawn I to love this. it. I'm drawn to this. There are flaws, and I can fix it, and I'm okay with yeah, it. But it I still the, feel great about it. Just it just breaks the pattern, though. 
It just, mm-hmm. it just is out of the boundaries. Like that cascade is out of the boundaries. So here's something that we didn't talk about on the cascade. It did not have the counterbalance branch. Mm, just went. Just dumped uh, over the yeah. right side yeah, in full commitment. Mm-hmm. I'm cascading. And it <laughs> was like, thank you for doing that. Thank you for cascading and not trying to not be a cascade. Mm. Right? Uh-huh. And everybody was like, I like this. Well, that lack of counterbalance branch. Because it was telling you what it was. It just was. Right? Huh. So this thing right here is definitively tension. And the character branch, probably would I change the dynamic of the sort of apical portion of that branch that moves to the left? I probably would because you've got almost the same length in the lowest portion of it, the midsection and the upper portion. And I don't like that doesn't appeal to me as much. But just having this branch out there with movement, with deadwood along it, creating this super funky attitude to the tree. I mean, like when you talk about trees, trees that fit inside of the proportions that are up bonsai don't really have an attitude. It's like they're they're like in line at school and uh, they yeah. like behave themselves and they listen to the teacher and like that's great. Like most of the kids need to do that or we'd have total chaos. Mm. Okay? But then there's like that one kid that like when everybody has their uniform on, like his collar's up or not down, right? Or <laughs> or or you know, her socks are higher, not lower. Whatever whatever that attitude that that fun like when you start to see that movement away or that deviation it makes it very special i find that interesting because i look at this and i actually think the tree is a dancer it's a left and a right arm it's just got a little movement like striking a pose sure yeah and just but definitive this is who i am accept me yeah and i mean you look at no question i mean but you have here's the thing is like you have attitude with an undeniable quantity of quality. Mm-hmm. You've got a great base. You've got deadwood rotating, not just moving up the trunk, but rotating from right to left up the center of the trunk. Like you have no real pertinent flaws in the design, or, or excuse me, in the structure of the tree. And you've got a lot of merit. Now, do, do mm. I think the right branch was handled as well as the left branch? N- no. Do I think the left branch was maximized? Nah, not really, but it's it's pretty awesome. And like inside of that, it just has so much flavor and attitude that it's undeniably interesting to look at. I'm pretty good with that. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be what I want it to be to enjoy it. It's like, yeah, good on you. Container, mm. container selection is freaking awesome. Yeah, that's hot. Size, shape, color, I'm into it. The slab that it's displayed on, sweet, sweetness, different color value than the container, different color value than the surface, wonderful complement to the color of the tree and the canopy. I'm all about it. All about it. I like how that right branch crosses over the trunk just a little bit over there. You like that? Flirting with it? See, so I see that right branch, like the trunk the trunk that you took to the back on the left side of the Rocky Mountain that you're working on. Mm-hmm. And just having a little bit of it engage. But instead of engaging with the front, what if it engaged with the back? It is. Is this lacking kind of a depth branch? Yeah, and that's how you would get it. Mm, so instead okay. of that branch on the right coming towards the front, pulling that to the back and having that swing around the backside and engaging with the back would give you so much more depth. 
and foreground background perspective on this design it, that it would magnify the quality of the design even more. Yeah, interesting. Those are like those small little changes to the structure that make a massive monumental difference in the tree. Oh, ah, there's one I want to show. Uh, there's a tree in here that, that I would. While you look for it, uh, is there, if you had one form that you could only make, broom, casket, whatever it is, what would be that one you would pick? Uh, if I could only make one style? Yep. From the traditionally accepted styles? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, wait a minute. You've walked the garden. I'm saying he's got one choice. No, right no. Now. You've walked the garden. I have walked the garden. Okay. What do you think it would be? It's funny because I, uh, as many years, this is our third year now coming and talking to Ryan and just life changes you. So I would guess that a formal upright would be it because life changes having a child, the eccentricities, the tension, dynamic, all that stuff. When you have that enough in your life as it is, that maybe you just want peacefulness in the tree that you're going to make now these days. Hmm. Formal upright. I, I don't, I don't, I don't seek peace quite yet. Yeah. No, I haven't calmed down that much. <laughs> Not I, that much. I, I, I would say future? I'm still very much in the, <laughs> in the angst of youth and the, a lot of angst. Yeah, <laughs> youth as it's represented. You're still in here listening to cranberries a lot, you know, right? <laughs> No, but I was listening to Weezer the other day. Yes. Oh. Yes. And, uh, yeah, Taft and I have a tradition when we drive to school of of uh, pretty much ramping up. My name is Jonas. He uh, has now taken on the guitarist role in the air band that we yeah. uh, have become members of. I'm Did the you? drummer. And that's kind, of the way, that's kind of the way that we get down. So, you know, like there's still a lot of... Still a lot to be worked out there. I haven't quite hit That's like... That's proper fathering right there. Think so? <laughs> yes. I feel dude. good about it. I feel yes. really good about it. Weezer, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I feel really... I feel solid about that. My guitarist is... He's solid. <laughs> plays a solid air guitar. Um, page 103. Page 103. There's also something spectacular happening on page 86, but I won't... We'll go to 103. You guys know this? Have you ever seen this before on page 103? Probably not. You ever seen this? I doubt it. <laughs> doubt you know. I doubt you know how cool this is. <laughs> what was the answer to your que I'm question, kidding. though, by uh, the way? Uh, so this is a piece. This is an amazing piece. From the way that it's handled. I'm going to show you guys the creation of this piece. Rock and tree. Oh, there it is. Rock oh. and tree. Hmm. So that trunk does not go down very far. Because it's hard to tell. It is hard to tell. Okay, you see? Yeah. Okay. Now this is going to be another composition. So for everybody listening, I'm looking at... Masahigo Kimura, the magical te technician of contemporary bonsai, 
This is the blue covered edition. This is one of the three uh, Japanese published books about Mr. Kimura's work. But inside of, uh, this is not one that's been translated into English, so it's tough to see this, but the, the composition on page 103 of Kokuva album 64 shows the mature version of this creation, and I'm showing these guys the creation of it. Okay, so notice how the roots are handled through the archway of the stone. <clears throat> okay. I'm with you. Okay, so it's not handled like your standard stone-planted tree. The roots were really manipulated around the aspects of the stone that gave it value, okay? Mm -hmm. It seems like, okay, what's the big deal? Well, I mean, I think when you talk about the creation of a piece where you do truly manipulate the roots of a pine in this fashion, it's very difficult to get a pine to survive this. Mm. It's almost like bare rooting it in this, in a sense, right? It is bare rooting it. Mm. And to get a pine to survive this kind of bare rooting in the creation of the composition is part of the magic of this thing surviving and reaching this level of refinement. Mm. Now, if you talk to Mr. Kimura about creating a rock-planted pine of this scale and level and this kind of severity, he would say, one in five live. I was going to ask that. One in five will live. But this one lived. It's a very special Abigawa stone. It's a very, very special composition that was created here. And this mature version, in my mind, when I look at the final product, pales in comparison to the initial. Wow. Right? Yeah. When I look at the initial, I'm like, yes. The stone has value. The stone has dominance in the initial composition. Mm -hmm. The tree in my mind is a companion to the composition, but is not the, the primary component. And when the tree becomes the primary component, everything that's special about this really loses its sort of magic majesty. Isn't that ridiculous? Mm. Super nice. So when the thing about the thing about seeing these um, compositions in the Kokfu at this point, and then having looked at all of their original creations, mm -hmm. whether it was Mr. Kimura or there's a whole there's a whole slew of ways that you can ingest Kinbone Magazine or like. Um, you know, even the internet, when you look at the ginkgo and then eventually you see the trees in the ginkgo now shown in the Nolanders trophy and now just the trophy and you see their evolution from being a demonstration tree somewhere or being in somebody's private collection or being passed <clears throat> down from, you know, one person to another and you watch their evolution, those kinds of observations of the continual change of a tree are what influence Mirai's design concepts. It's not like, what do we want it to look like today? It's like, how over the course of time in other bonsai cultures have these trees evolved and changed for the better 
or at least in my aesthetic opinion, how have they changed in ways that don't necessarily do justice to the brilliance of the composition that was originally created? And how do we avoid those pitfalls to fall into the same patternized formation or the same natural maturation process that is bound to happen in bonsai cultivation? And I think, I think it's important to be like observing on a, on a scale that has a historical marker to it because then you understand where your creations are headed and how you continue to steer them in a direction that doesn't necessarily bring about their downfall or loss of significance as an aesthetic endeavor. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's the it's the second iteration of styling on the vortex, right? Do you take it back or, to, or, or you, third or, or you, fourth you just or take fifth? It, I just wanted to be where it was versus what's next. Yeah. And I think this is where having that concept that there is a continuum to the evolution of a tree in terms of the representation of the concept of quote unquote age mm -hmm. and really quantifying that for every species and continuing to drive that in your composition as far as that tree's characteristics allows you to go with that is what maintains the ability to continue, continue to improve it and maintain that level of brilliance, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's just like Big Blue is sitting out there right now with 60% of its branches cut off. And it won the Artisan's Cup. And it honestly hasn't grown that much in four years. So we could make it look exactly like it looked when it won the Artisan's Cup. Honestly. Quick wire job, clean job, look great. But that doesn't necessarily continue to propel that tree in a direction. That would be the action that would now fall into the pitfalls of what we're observing here. Now seeing what was this white pine on page 103 when it was initially created or two or three years into its life as opposed to 20 years into its life. And it was far more brilliant. It was far more brilliant as totally. a composition. Just like the spruce. Just like the spruce on the yep. slab. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right? And it's that... It's that, you know, when I, when I speak really passionately about trying to find this sort of style and, and re reflection of nature as it pertains to our native landscape and having ancient as a reference that can guide our thought process, that's why I get so passionate about it. Mm -hmm. you get, because the Kokfu albums are a pinnacle to one degree and a document and discussion of the potential pitfalls in a much larger degree to me. Huh. And it's not to say that it's not beautiful. It's not to say that it's not amazing. It's just to say that I don't identify with where these compositions are in the Kokfu as much as where they were when they were initially created and where they could have gone with a little bit of a different concept. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So anyways, Kip, you asked for it. I thought that was awesome. Yeah? Yeah. What do you guys? Thanks. Uh, 65? Uh, 65. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Mike would make it. No, I, I could do more. Mike would be passed I don't want to do I'm, more. I'm sticky, but I could do more. I don't want to do more. Sticky. The man sauna has lost its charm. Right? To send us off, you have to answer mm. the question. What's the, what's the question? The one oh, design you go. get to do. Oh, Really? You're holding them to that? I mean, People I heard it. They want to hear an answer. <laughs> Generic answers, then formal upright, because it has the most diversity. Uh, at this moment in my life, I'm in the windswept period of my uh, artistic phase. You know, not not my blue period. I'm in the windswept period. <laughs> uh, and if I had to think about 
the design that I find most engaging, although material does not conform to its creation, the semi-cascade or the cascading form cool. would be would keep me most creatively engaged for a longer period of time. With the branch just way out here. Just way out there. And how is, do you how can you take advantage mm-hmm. of that opportunity? Mm-hmm. The plethora of containers and slabs and designs and moving the apex in every which way and the manipulation of the width and the and the size and the density and the height and the thickness of the pads and breaking them up far more to reduce the positive space and increase negative space to, you know, compensate for whatever exists or doesn't. I mean, I see that as I see that as just thoroughly intellectually engaging on a design. Any level. raw material that's got this branch that sits way out there, that is Ryan's crypto like. <laughs> it's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. It is. That's you know me it. too well. I do. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, the word of the night is crypto like. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it thank is. you all for doing this. I appreciate it. It is the funkier the branch, the better. Yeah. I mean, that white pine is a perfect example. Just give, just give me something interesting in a branch, and I'm good to go. Way to go, Kip. Way to come up with a, another horrible idea for a podcast that's only gonna. <laughs> That's only going to appeal to people that are totally mentally insane for bone sign. Everybody else is already asleep or freaking ditched asymmetry as a subscribe to podcast long ago. They were just like, these guys are idiots. Yep. And we've got uh, 25, 30 more uh, books to go through. (laughs) No. Uh, thank you guys. I, I, I love talking bonsai mm-hmm. with my hardcore students, Juniper 3 class. Uh, you guys know I've been looking forward to this, so I appreciate it. Excited to have a good weekend with you guys. Yep. Cheers. Thank yep. you. Yep. All right. Yep.